Hello and welcome to Media Made, the show in which we year by year explore the movies, music, and TV that most evaded our lives. I am your host, former teenager with attitude, Rod, and I'm joined by a middle schooler who knows everything, Jess. <laughs> I mean, former middle schooler nope. that knew everything. Nope, I'm a current middle schooler who knows everything. <laughs> scooter. Exactly. Can't even say words correctly. I bad hope... middle schooler. So you should feel bad since you're a high schooler. Married to a middle schooler. I mean, you could be a teenager and a middle school. It's happened. No. I need you to feel bad like I do in our relationship as this cradle robber. Cradle robber. Hi, kids. Apparently, talking is going to be real difficult for me today. It's a podcast. (laughs) And you can't say words. Anyway, hey, welcome to the show. Um, If you're new to the show, let me explain what we do. Um, So we... This is a TV episode. So what we have done is we have gone through a list of every TV show that debuted in 1993... Um, and we decided which one each of us have watched the most of. Yeah. Uh, and I I have not seen my show all the way through, like every single episode. Uh, but I've seen so many episodes of it. That's not why it's my show. for lack of trying. <laughs> You've seen every episode of your show, though? Yeah. Yeah, I have. You, we have season one on DVD. No, we have the entire season. Oh, well, apparently we have the whole series. Or not season. Series. We have the whole series on DVD. We have the whole series on DVD. It's also all on Hulu now. <laughs> There you go. And on Disney Plus. And on Disney Plus. Well, I mean, they're the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, hey, we're talking about your show. I guess we're going to jump right into it. So, this is just a show of 1993, debuting September 24th, 1993 on ABC. Created and produced by Michael Jacobs and April Kelly. Starring William Daniels, Ryder Strong, Will Friedel, Danielle Fischel, and Ben Savage. We have... Boy Meets World. <laughs> Yeah. It's like there are there are a handful of theme songs from this show. Um and yeah. I feel like this one and the other one that people sing are the two like most iconic theme songs from this show. Yeah, I have to agree. Um it, it has a little bit of the, the surf rock feel, you know, because in the early nineties there was a lot of sixties nostalgia. Was the sixties a big time for surfing? Surf yeah. Surf surfing USA. California uh, Beach Boys type of stuff. Okay. Yeah. It was big. I believe you. It's big. It was big, man. Yeah, my dad. My dad told stories about when he was like ten years old in the sixties. He would like go out into the uh, like an alleyway with a bunch of trash cans and try to do the drum solo to wipe out <laughs> the surf rock song Wipeout. I don't know if that's adorable or sad. A little both. <laughs> a little column A, a little column B. <laughs> uh, but yes, this is Boy Meets World. Tell us why is this your show of nineteen ninety three? Because Sean Hunter is a fox. How'd that make you feel over there? Are, really? <laughs> yes. I watched this whole show for which, Sean which, Hunter. Which one's Sean? The, 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 the brother or the, the friend? The friend. Oh, okay. The, I guy, guess with the, had the guy with the part? Yeah. He had a part for some seasons. <laughs> he, his hairstyle has a name. Like it was, it was like a big, it was like the Hanson haircut. I don't think so. I mean, I know, I've heard of the Rachel, not the Sean. It they're they're like when I was looking up notes on the show, I did not write it down, but apparently there is a the, there's a name for that style, and it was big because of that boy. Probably in Boy Meets World. Sean Hunter was hot. I guess it did seems... he did he date a black woman or was that the brother? No, that was Sean. Oh, okay, <laughs> I don't even I don't know. Is that why you you, could, you were like I'm into Sean? No. <laughs> I don't know. It was I, apparently we're jumping into your your, it was your the girlhood hair, crush. It was the hair. It was the bad boy routine. It was the smolder. 
before Flynn Rider was smoldering. It was the in touch with his feelings. It was the tragic backstory. It was the family drama. It was Sean Hunter. I had no idea we were going to go this oh, direction. Man. Sean Hunter is the style Stalinsky of Boy Meets World. You don't even understand that no. reference. Apparently, <laughs> we got girlhood crushes out here. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I guess that means I have to take note and, like, when I get to a TV show where I had a boyhood crush, I'll just mention it, I guess. No, you don't have to do that. <laughs> we don't need to have equal opportunity here at this table. So, did you watch the show as a kid? Yeah. And uh, I assume you, you, did you buy it for yourself on DVD? I did buy it for myself on DVD. All of the DVDs. Because it was like, for all six seasons, I think it was like 40 bucks. You did the same thing yeah, with DBZ. Mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, 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 I'm going to have that. Now it's all on streaming. But who knows when that'll get taken off. Also, like, my set for season three is missing alice if you have that still i know where you live i know where you hide the key to your house i will come in and i will take one of your cats as hostages <laughs> luckily she doesn't listen to the show so give, it's fine give us boy meets world or the cat gets and- give me my dvd or i will keep your cat the one that likes me <laughs> um yeah i did so I don't think I watched, I, I definitely didn't watch this show as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I can't even tell you if I've seen like a full episode of it before we watched it for the show. You probably hadn't. This was a, a show my sisters watched. Yeah. So like my my If old- you text them right now and ask them why they watched it, both of their answers are going to be Sean Hunter. I don't know. Like I, I remember my older sister would say, would like say Topanga. And I'd be like, what is that? Topanga. <laughs> I also watched it for, well, as an adult, I watched it for Feeney. <laughs> Mr. Feeney is the best part of that show. Yes. For sure. And so, yeah, I was like, I, I knew of it. I knew, I knew the, I knew the main characters. I knew Mr. Feeney. I knew Topanga. I always confuse the brother and the, the friend. Yes, you do. <laughs> they are very different people. There's Eric and Sean. Yes. The, 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 you know, I, who, which one's which? Well, one know. is Eric and one is Sean. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. And, uh, Yeah. That is my history with the show. It makes sense that you would never watch this. It It's very much one of those things that people talk about that are like, oh my gosh, da, da, da. And you are very much a person well, who's like, too much hype. I'm not going to do it. Well, well, for one thing, it aired on, it was mostly on network. And I watched a lot of cable, you know? Mm-hmm. So at one, at some point, it eventually started airing on like ABC Family. But by that point, I wasn't watching ABC Family. I was watching Comedy Central or something or G4. Um, right, not in '93. <laughs> not in '93. No, no. Reruns. In 1993, I was belly time. <laughs> hey, callbacks. Um, so yeah, it's like for most of my childhood, this was strictly airing on network TV, mm-hmm. which I didn't watch. I was watching Disney Channel, and but by the time my sisters were watching on ABC Family, I was not interested. So oh, that makes sense. It just it just passed me by. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. Got one look of Sean Hunter, and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> oh dear, I have a type husband. You are that type." <laughs> I don't. I I don't see myself identifying with that guy, though. That's fair, but physically, I guess I don't know. That's fine. In any case, why don't I go into the history of the show? There isn't a lot of it. I can uh, probably. <laughs> Uh, Boy Meets World was created by veteran TV writers Michael Jacobs, known for creating TV shows like My Two Dads. Charles in Charge, and Dinosaurs. Dinosaur. And April Kelly, known for her writing credits on Mork and Mindy and Happy Days, and her producing credits on Webster. Just like TV folks. Yeah. They, 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 
Have we talked about these people before? Because I feel I like those so. they their names don't really sound familiar, but their credentials do. I, I feel like once you're a TV writer, or like especially like it's like you get into TV writing in the 70s or 80s, you're in TV writing for the rest of your life. Uh, can we get into TV writing right now? It's like uh, no. <laughs> uh, you know the like, guild is too strong. I was like, go <laughs> start. Uh, you could like do what we're doing. Start a podcast and get popular or go start doing comedy stand-up comedy oh i don't want to do that i don't even feel like i would want to write any tv like thinking about like what would i want to do as a tv show one it'd be a miniseries two literally nobody else would watch that that would definitely be (laughs) a project for me yeah if we get enough money i'm just gonna write my own shorts hire my own actors and then only watch it for myself That's like, that sounds really creepy. It's like a supervillain thing to do. I don't care. I wouldn't. I would pay them. <laughs> I would direct and I would produce. This sounds like a great idea. Okay, I'm shooting for this. How old am I right now? 31, 32? <laughs> Thir- 45. By 45, I will be doing this project for me. A miniseries written, produced, directed, we're gonna not start acted a, we're by gonna me. We're going to start an Indiegogo, ladies No, and gentlemen. we're not. I'm doing this all on my own. And don't ask where it is and <laughs> and when I'm 45. Moving on. <laughs> so both Michael Jacobs and April Kelly were executive producers on a show called Where I Live, which came to an end in early 1993, leaving a gap in ABC's popular TGIF block. Can I say that Where I Live sounds like a crappy MTV show? Have you ever heard of that show? No, it I sounds had. like it would be like, All right, coming up next, Room Raiders and Where We Live. <laughs> In Cribs. <laughs> Where I live is just Cribs. <laughs> for the 90s. Wow. Um, so, yeah, they, they were, you know, TGIF with, with Full House and Family Matters and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Where I live aired. And it was like, it, it's funny, uh, for like the first few years of TGIF, it was always like Full House, Family Matters, and whatever other third string show no one cared about. And I guess Where I Live was one of those. <laughs> Yeah, so Where I Live ended in 1993, and from that point, I guess ABC wanted to shift, have a little bit of a shakeup for the TGIF block. They wanted right? to bl- blockbuster, the actual, right? Like, the actual term for blockbusters is, like, something that would break up a TV block. Anyway, continue. Yeah, so according to the New York Times, I found an article that said the uh, ABC was creating a, quote, new Friday night lineup that is explicitly aimed at younger viewers. mm so I guess like they realized that ABC's TGIF was appealing more to younger viewers, and they said, "Okay, well let's let's just lean into it. Let's create shows explicitly for younger viewers." Uh, NBC they can have the the teenage audience, I guess, because yeah. NBC had you know we we talked about it. They have Will uh, Fresh Prince mm-hmm. and other such shows. Right, right, right. Blossom. That makes sense. Like, I if I was running TGIF, I would also, I would say, like, we should be aiming for the people who don't go out on Fridays. Children. <laughs> the children. Yes. Thursday for teenagers. Friday, the teenagers have cars. They're not going to stay home. So, yeah, it was probably very... Uh, Smart. Yeah, clinical decision. <laughs> Pragmatic. Um, Boy Meets World joined TGIF uh, for the 1993-1994 season alongside Family Matters. Step by step, mm. hanging with Mr. Cooper, uh. and that show's mid-season replacement, Sister Sister. Hey, get it, get it, Sister Sister. Yeah, so for half that year, it was 
Boy Meets World, Family Matters, Step by Step, and Sister Sister. I love me some Sister Sister. I also love Sister Sister. Sister is great. Sister Sister is one of those earworm songs. It is. I, I watched. I, I watched my fair share of Sister Sister. Ay- Not so much Boy Meets World, but that's Boy Meets World. <laughs> it's, it's just like that's it. Yeah, that's it. Well, I, you know. Also, like we talked about, like them wanting to go younger. I also think they saw the success of Nickelodeon on cable. Mm. Like, Nickelodeon, they've got our kids viewers we need to get them back we need to wrest that from them because like boy meets world is in some ways a boy version of clarissa explains it all young person ex- like talking to the camera he doesn't really talk to the camera he doesn't no oh, i thought he does or- he, oh, that's because of how his delivery is no he's just talking he's to hamming it up at way. least <laughs> yes we could talk about uh monsieur savage he young, is a much good child yeah, actor young Corey. but yeah that that's that's it. Oh, nice. <laughs> and uh, so we, as we do, we, we can't watch a full show. We can't watch. We could whole, have. No, not, not. It's impossible. For, we could have done this for the show. We would release a TV episode once every year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we watched one episode and that was the first episode aired. And that was an episode called Pilot. Yeah. <laughs> Boy Meets World's Pilot. <laughs> not much to say about the lead up and not much to say about nope. the title. <laughs> hey, well, let's get in there. So we start things off, of course, with the theme song. So the, the season one theme song of Boy Meets World is awful. It sounds a little bit like uh, it starts off with an alien flute. Like, I don't know. It makes me think of like uh, X-Files. And then it's just like. It's just like so generic. It sounds yeah. like this could be the intro to anything. Like um, oh, a quiz show. Oh, yeah. Like a weather broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> Nick and not, like Nick News. It's got all those elements yeah, in it. It, it, could, it could be the intro song to like a, a DOS video game. <laughs> you know, like a win- I don't know what that means. You know, like an early Windows computer oh, game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It feels very much like a uh, preset ringtone. Yeah, <laughs> so I have I had like some notes on the like history of the theme songs in Boy Meets World. So what, what, we, what you just heard was the, the season one theme song. Right. right? Played for the whole season one. Uh, season two and most of three featured... No, no real theme song at all. It was just like a quick instrumental sting. sting, and then the episode began. Yeah, it was like a little animation of like a boy leaning on a globe. Yeah, and that was the episode, and then it was just basically cold open. Um, and then with the season three episode, the last temptation of Corey, uh-huh. they be they took one of those cycled theme songs, expanded it, and that became the theme song that we em- we like opened this segment with, right. And, and that we use mostly right. associate. <laughs> and then the final theme song, which played from season five to seven, mm-hmm. was written and performed by Phil Rosenthal of the band Twenty Cent Crush. That's a name. And that's the Boy Meets World. Yeah, because if Boy Meets World. Yeah, we're gonna close. <laughs> there are words here. <laughs> we're gonna close the segment out with that one. Um, but yeah, and uh, here's it, it's funny. I remember when my sister's watching it. It was that theme song. Mm-hmm. It was always that one. Right. The singing one. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, for broadcast syndication on the Disney Channel and ABC Family, um, they just used that song. They retroactively applied that huh, that's interesting. stage theme song to, to every all of them. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And then I guess they've gone back on that yeah. uh, with streaming. So when you watch this on Disney+, Plus, it's got the original theme songs. But yeah, how, how does this episode start? 
Uh, we start off in a cafeteria in a middle school. Good morning, Mr. Feeney. Good morning, Mr. Matthews. A candy bar? Doesn't your mother feed you a proper breakfast? Oh, yeah, she does. And I gotta get the taste of this shredded weed out of my mouth. <laughs> you know, you're not doing your body any favors loading up on junk like that. Oh, thanks, Mr. Feeney. And please enjoy that high vitamin astronaut drink you're sucking down. <laughs> There's no gravity in space, Mr. Matthews. Therefore, astronauts suck up. Learn from them. <laughs> that one was a genuine laugh for me. <laughs> Um, so a lot to unpack in just that first clip. Uh, you're introduced to the f two main characters of the series, really. Okay, two main characters of the first season. One of the most important relationships of the entire yes. series. Yes, it is top three of the most important. It's probably three. It's probably two. Corey Matthews, which is a little boy. Yes. Little middle school boy. Yes. Played by Ben Savage? Fred Savage. Fred Savage? Ben Savage. <laughs> Ben, Ben, it's Ben. This is Ben. This is Ben. Fred is the older one. Ben Savage is Fred Savage's brother. Um, apparently, because uh, that's another thing. Uh, Fred Savage was in uh, Monsters. No, no, no. Uh, Little Monsters. The, the Wonder Years. He was also. Oh, in the, he was also in the yeah, Wonder Years. He was years, also yeah. in Little. Monsters. I hated the Wonder Years. But uh, so I guess when they were creating this show, they were like, "Yeah, we just want to make another a new generation's Wonder Years." Um, but Fred Savage is too old. Get his brother. Oh, yeah, and his brother is an a an excellent child. This is not the first time we've seen him as a child actor. You guys haven't seen us see him as a child actor, but... <laughs> he, he starred in a little film called... Big Girls Don't Cry, They Get Even. Yeah, and he's excellent in that movie. He's literally like a five-year-old, maybe six, and he is bodying lines. He's like reading words. No, he's not reading them. He's saying words that are scientific words, like doctor words, explaining stuff because his character is a smart little boy and he's saying them without stuttering yeah. or slipping. I was like, what? <laughs> what is this? And you see it in this show, the the, the, the boy like oozes charisma. Mm -hmm. Like he is just, he's a showman. He hands mm -hmm. it up. He he knows exactly how to say things with the right like yeah. comedic timing. His delivery is excellent. Yeah, like I love I love Ben Savage. Yeah, he's <laughs> little Ben Savage. <laughs> well, then, enjoy that thing you're sucking up. <laughs> like, and then the other character, of course, is Mr. Feeney, mm -hmm. played by Willem Daniels. Will William Daniels. I was like Willem. Willem, played by William Daniels, um, Shakespearean actor. Yeah, classically trained. He is a prof prolific career before Boy Meets World. Nobody knows about it, though. because I mean, from our generation. You listening to it, kid, probably have no idea what this man did outside of Feeney. <laughs> I, I don't. He, he did a lot of... He's, like, a really good actor, and he's, I like, done it. a lot of, like, stuff, but, like, even me, knowing those things, can't name a single role. I, I wonder if that's annoying to him. <laughs> you know, but, I, I mean, he, he's... For an You'll entire generation, he's like their 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 guardian figure, their father figure. Ever be Feeney? Yeah. Um, so Corey is in Mr. Feeney's class, sixth mm -hmm. grade class. Yes. Um, literature class. No, I think it's is it just strictly literature? Or is it the whole like you know the you know because when I was in sixth grade, it was like grade school where we had one teacher the whole day. Yeah. There's no periods. I don't see. Does Corey go to other periods? Uh, I not this season. I think. I think I'm not sure. So that's where I always get like mixed up. Where I'm just like, I don't know. He always has a class with Feeney, and at one point Feeney just becomes the principal. principal. Mm -hmm. Um, and he does have 
classes, I don't know, where I went to, my, my middle school only went to fifth grade. So when I was in sixth grade, I was doing different periods and going to different classes. So uh, I think it just depends on your district and yeah. your state for our American listeners. Uh, Non-American listeners, teachers come to your classrooms. Okay, well, that's not true. Like Canada and stuff. <laughs> he was in grade six. He was in grade six. Um, so, year six. Year six. <laughs> um, and another thing about that clip. Freaking Mr. Feeney says, like, there's no gravity on space, Mr. Matthews. And I said, yes, there is. There's just less of it. Yeah, we had a whole, when we were watching this, he was just like, he's wrong. And I was like, two things. One, he's not an actual teacher, and an actual teacher did not write this line. <laughs> so you can't get mad at him. Two, all the, there's so many things we were taught as kids that are just like, as adults, we're like, no, that's not actually how that's the word true. works. My, world works. My second grade teacher, I think... She, this was her first year teaching, you know, so she was just, you know, a young teacher. And she told us the reason the, the, the reason that compasses work is because there's a magnet in the compass and it's dr- attracted to a large metal deposit in Canada. Yep. I'm sure I got something very similar. As adults, we're like, no. Nope. I was like, that, I was like, that's like so far off and it's clear she didn't know. Someone told her that. Yep. And I'm like, oh. Again, American schooling yeah, system. We're that, not. I'm not doing that. Well, I'm not making enemies. <laughs> it's that that Mount Stupid, you know, where it's like <laughs> the less you know about the topic, but there's that point where it's like you you don't know enough about it, but you're willing to speak on it anyway. Oh uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> anyway, Feeney has some wrong information, but we're not gonna, we're not going to hold him to it. This right. is not an educational. I mean, it's a moralistic (laughs) educational show, not an actual educational show. And then that clip goes to show their their relationship already. It's already it's antagonistic, or there's friction there. Yeah, it's like it's like really weird because it's clearly like nemesis on one side and the other side. Where like sometimes Feeny is actually annoyed, but for the most part, he's just like, okay, kid. (laughs) I can imagine for a man his age, it's just like. You're not the first Miss Matthews I've had, Mr. Matthews. <laughs> like, right? You know, it's like, I've had, like, troublemaker little boys before. Right? I've dealt with your kind before. <laughs> your brother. <laughs> right. Um, and in that uh, cafeteria scene, we also meet a few other characters. Who mm. we got? Uh, we have one and only Sean Hunter, but we, you know, he's literally <laughs> a baby right now. Preteen so heartthrob, Sean he, Hunter. He's not a hottie. He is a baby. <laughs> And, and other boy, and other boy, whom we will see maybe four episodes for the season, and then never again. His name is Nicholas, by the way. Oh, and hey, Nick. <laughs> Nicholas, shout outs to Nikolai. Shout out to one uh, minor boy meets world character, Nicholas. <laughs> okay, so how late did you stay up last night? Monologue, monologue, first guest. Monologue, <laughs> first guest, bad sketch. Monologue, first guest, bad sketch. Funny zoo in. Monologue, first guest, bad sketch, funny zoo animal, Steve Lawrence. Oh, Steve Lawrence. Steve Lawrence. I don't know who Steve Lawrence is. Steve Lawrence is an actor and singer, apparently. One, comedy nerds wrote that line. Yeah. Because uh, they're they're referencing late night talk shows. Yeah. And I don't remember, like, when I was a kid, I didn't fight to stay up to watch late night talk shows, but I can, I... No, there's a generation of comedy nerds who did. Yeah. So they're refer- most likely referencing Johnny Carson, the, mm-hmm. the late the late show or whatever the Tonight Show, uh, and 
um, I, I, I did a little bit of digging and I found um, that Steve Lawrence was a guest on the April 1st episode of The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson mm-hmm. in 1992. Oh, so the year before this came out. <laughs> it could, it, perhaps the writers of the show just watched whatever episode of The Tonight Show <laughs> aired the night before, and it was an episode that featured Patrick Swayze, David Horowitz, and Steve Lawrence. Well, all right. But I do remember when I was middle school age, like late grade school, mm-hmm. on Saturday night, I would go and spend the night at my, my friend Mike's house, and we would try our hardest to stay up late enough to watch Mad TV. And I always fell asleep either right before it started or like the first sketch. <laughs> I was never that kid. Like, I don't think I stayed up. Like, I tried to stay up for TV until Adult Swim was a thing. Mm. <laughs> I, I We used to try to stay up and watch Family Guy, too. I, I was not staying up for Family Guy. Mm. <laughs> but, like, yeah. I can see. Yeah, I can see that. I, I just was not a, like, TV kid. for. I mean, obviously, we can tell I'm not a media person from this podcast. It's like, yeah, I've seen this once or twice um but i think it's like i feel like there are things though that we would you know what i think all my growing up thing would be like did you go see that rated r movie mm. did you da 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 I'm like oh and this happened and blah 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 and uh, i would never be able to sneak into those movies the one time i was able to go to a rated r movie because we were with a quote-unquote cool mom and she snuck us in to see a movie that will not be named i think i was 12 i was scarred i was scarred was it The Lion King? <laughs> At 12? No. Scar. <laughs> no! Literal spit take on the podcast. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's a first. Media made first, ladies and gentlemen. We got a, a literal spit take on the podcast. Got a for sp- my groaner dad joke. Literal spit take on my notebook. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so um, do you want to describe uh, Sean Hunter other than him being uh, attra- attractive? <laughs> um, um, Sean Hunter, like, they're all little boys. Yeah. <laughs> you mean, like, from this episode? It's yeah, because, like, I, I don't have a lot of clips from yeah, him. He's, he's not really a, an integral part of this episode, but I know he, like, next to Mr. Feeney and Topanga, he is uh, uh, Corey's uh, most important relationship. Do you want me to rank the actuality of these three relationships? Go for it. Sean Hunter. Feeney and Topanga are tied. <laughs> They're tied for second. Because like you, you were trying to tell me you were watching this. It's like, Corey and, and Sean are life partners. Corey and Sean are life partners. Corey and Sean are life partners. Corey and Sean are hetero life partners. Soulmates. Please hear if I am air quoting things. Um, Absolutely. 100% soulmates. Uh, you haven't watched the show. I might. What show are we watching for me right now? We're watching season two. I'm gonna make you watch all of Boy Meets World afterwards. But it's like, okay, that's not what you asked me to go into right now. And um, I won't. I'm just saying that they are each other's everything. And I mean that in the most profound and non-sexual way. <laughs> like, just like that thing. I feel like we all have one to three people that are those, right? Like some yeah. people call them their ride or dies, but like not in the flimsy way where you're just like, oh yeah, that's my ride or die. Like you say, BFF forever. He's like, one of us will be dying. <laughs> Corey is Sean's JD to his Turk. Yes. In Scrubs terms. 
Yes, it's, I haven't watched Scrubs, but I believe that you really love that show. I mean, I know you really love it, that it's show. It's guy so. love. That's all it is. Yes. <laughs> it's guy love. Exactly. Um, anyway, Sean in this episode is just like <laughs> a oh, tween boy. and fanal. Boy. Yes, he's just boy. He doesn't really have any... I, I think it's interesting to figure out, like... Because it's been a while since I rewatched the whole show all the way through... Uh, about when the switch happens of like when he's like an integral part of the show. I think it's probably just by episode two or three. In this episode, all he really does is have this conversation and is like a bit of a foil to like talk over some stuff with yeah. Feeney and his, his brother issues. And then also he uh, gets de- helps Corey get de- detention yeah. <laughs> in English class. So while we're breaking down all the characters, let's talk about Corey's home life. Who, who does he live with? Who's his family? He doesn't have a family. Yes, he does. <laughs> he lives with his ma. His mom and dad. Mm-hmm. His ma, his pa. He doesn't call them those. That's the kid I want to see. Mom, we have a major problem. You have detention with Mr. Feeney. How could you possibly know that? <laughs> he stuck his head over the fence and told me while I was bringing in the groceries. I, I want to move. move. <laughs> Why did you get detention? You know, you're missing the bigger issue, Dad. You bought a house next to my teacher. I want to move. I want to move now. Get the guy with the gold jacket. I'll be in the car. Yeah, again, Ben Savage is, is, the, is the best. He's the perfect, like, as much as I'm, we're like, I want to move with the perfect dictation. It's also just his whole body language. Yeah. He flips around in a single, like, smooth room, points his finger in his dad's face. I want to move. He's pointing to the rafters. Like, he's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's giving it his all. He's, like, such a good boy. Such good little yeah. boy. Um, and that being said, yeah, he has a neighbor. Which is his teacher, <laughs> with, Mr. Feeney. Which is his teacher, Mr. Feeney. Um, and he also shares his room with his big bro. Which, what's his bro's name? Eric. Because Good I, job. Ha- I have it listed here in my, <laughs> my clips. Come on, Corey. It's my first date with her. It's really important to me. But Eric, going to the Phillies game is like our special thing. <sighs> Corey, I'm trying to get a special thing going with Heather. <laughs> now look, you could be happy for me and accept this like a mature guy, or you can... Dad! Overreact. So there are two main conflicts in this episode for Corey. Right. Right. Conflict number one, which we'll talk about in a second, is his issues with Mr. Feeney. He's got detention. I um, mean, he doesn't understand uh, why learning about Romeo and Juliet is all that important. I concur. And the other conflict is with his brother, Eric. Uh, Eric is going to go out on a date with a girl named Heather. Never go out with Heathers. And um, he basically blows off Corey. Because uh, he was supposed to go to a Phil- Phillies game with Corey, and instead he's going to take Heather. Exactly. You would never do that to me, right? I don't know. I, I probably would never go to a Phillies game. Or take Heather. Or take Heather. I don't, I don't even know any Heathers. Yes, you do. <laughs> I do know Heather. <laughs> I know that one Heather. That one Heather. she is neither in town or in Philadelphia, so. Is that all you need for her to be in Philadelphia? Anyway. Uh, right, so that, those are the A and the B conflicts of this episode. But uh, there's only one other person in their house currently, and that is Morgan. His little sister, Morgan. Apparently, he'd rather listen to the baseball game on the radio than try to understand the emotional content of Romeo and Juliet. Mom, I'm a kid. I don't understand the emotional content of Full House. <laughs> I do. Little, little Morgan pipes up and says that she she knows all about Full House. Mm-hmm. 
That's some that's some cross promotion right there. Yeah. That's TJF crossover. Mm-hmm. T- <laughs> Full House Boy Meets World. <laughs> Morgan, she, I don't know, she's a cute little girl. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because this really shows the like uh difference between like cute children and child actors. Yeah. Because no offense, young Morgan, but you're very young and therefore you could really only just like parrot lines. It's not that you were bad. It's just that you were very young and all you could do was parrot lines. Well, you know, like, and she yeah. delivers them fine. Um, anyway, I'm not going to like harp on this girl. She did her job. <laughs> so as far as conflicts go, which one do you want to tackle first? Uh, let us tackle Eric's problem. Okay. So again, uh, Eric is going out with a girl named Heather. Um, and She's the hottest girl in the 10th grade. And it creates conflict with Corey because Corey feels like he, he's been... Abandoned. Uh, yeah, backstabbed. Uh, All over this love thing. Right. He does. That's the whole thing about the, the whole episode. Is Corey doesn't understand why love is so important because he's supposed to be learning about Romeo and Juliet in school. And he's like, why, why do we have to learn about a stupid guy who wants to kill himself? I concur. Well, okay, wait, hold on. Specifically about Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. I <laughs> uh, hate that play. I know I've said it more than once on this podcast. But uh, he's like, yeah, why am I getting detention? Because I don't care about this whole love thing. And why am I getting booted out of our tradition and being able to see this Phillies game, which I got in detention for listening to because you want to be in love, Eric. And so he ends up telling, basically saying, I'm, you know, I, I don't have a brother anymore. I don't want to live in the same room as him. I'm going to go sleep in my treehouse. Yep. Oh, good. Caught you home. Housewarming gift. Chocolate pie with a side of barbecue chicken and corn on the cob. Now, I would have bought you a plant, but hey, you're in a treat. Thanks, Mom. Are you all right? Of course I'm all right. I've been in this treehouse a million times. Never after dark. <laughs> it only lasts one night because... Because sleeping outside is hard when you have a whole house. And he needs to go inside... Uh, to get of, new clothes. Yeah, he needs his mom to... He needs his mommy to, to fold his clothes for him. <laughs> he actually just needed underwear. <laughs> I was like, yep, yeah, that's fair. You don't He committed, though. He slept one night in that treehouse. He did. He didn't go inside. And I'm like... I probably wouldn't have done that. Like, I probably would have, like... <laughs> Spiders and coyotes. I would have, like, threatened it and gone out there and been like, yeah, I'm not doing this. This is dumb. <laughs> I never had to share a room with anybody, though. I did. <laughs> but I get that. Um, but I was just thinking about how this might be our first time watching something that's, like, set in, a quote-unquote, middle America. Uh, it's, it's, all- it's set in Philadelphia, because they're going to the Philadelphia. No, sorry. Not middle class or... Or maybe a little... Whatever. And the kids are actually sharing rooms. Because usually it's like a big old house that we don't make. Let's just go ahead and get back to 85. Their house is still large. Their house is still large. But, like, they have three kids and two of them have to share a room. Which means it's only a three-bedroom house. Which, I mean, please give me a three-bedroom house. You know? Um, And it's got a nice kitchen. You know, like, that says something about, like, where they are financially. Yeah. So... Do we know what they do for a living? Because I don't. What do they do? Uh, I, uh, the dad is a grocer. He owns a grocery store or he... That won't last. (laughs) No, no, no. He's a manager of that grocery store. Okay, okay. Um, and... An episode where Walmart... The mom does something else, huh? What is it like? There should have been an episode where Walmart rolls into town and puts the dad out of business. 
No, actually, it's really interesting. Like, so this show um, is one of those things that I'm, I, I like uphold from like, I have to rewatch it again, right? Like as an adult, because there are definitely going to be pitfalls. But one of those things that uphold is they, they don't sugarcoat like a lot of stuff, right? Like as much as it's like, oh, this is about like mar- like being in love with your childhood crush and going uh, all the way to marriage and da da da. Like there's a lot of stuff that you can see that is like um, pedal pedestalized uh but there are also like but within that there are a lot of like real things like there are not a lot of shows that really tackled interracial relationships and these really tackled interrelation in a really all those things it tackled um gender roles gender norms at several instances um the male characters cross-dressed but not like as a gag but literally because like sean and one of the spoilers in one of the episodes was like hitting on a girl and like dating her. And he was like all suave. And she was like, no, blah, blah, blah. And she was mad at him and he didn't get it. And she's like, yeah, you guys, you guys don't hear no. And so he's like, I don't understand. Whatever. And he dressed up as a girl, went out as a girl and like was hit on and treated like a girl. Mm. And his words were not like. So there's like lots of stuff that they don't shy away from. Like when I say like. He, him, and Carrie, and um, and Corey are like hetero life mates. I mean it in every sense of the word. Like they go so far for each other in a very much like you are more than my friend, you are my brother, mm. and there's nothing that can break that. Like in general, and then within the marriage, even like all this is the kid stuff. Like the parents' marriage has like issues sometimes, and you see it. Like at one point. Um, the dad is like really sick of like whatever's going on at the grocery store or whatever he's doing. Uh, and he, I think he might have, maybe he owns it. I can't remember exactly. And he like either just quits without talking to his wife or he sells the business without talking to his wife. He does one of those things. And they, that is not a quite, that is not an offstage argument. The, the kids are sent away so that you can watch them have a very healthy but very not okay argument about how dare you. <laughs> and then, uh, and like, there's like things like that, right? Like stuff like that. I really like the show because it doesn't, you know, like again, shy away yeah. from, re- it is fiction, but they allow it themselves to deal with so many things, right? Like uh, Sean, one of the reasons I really like him is he's a well-written character. Uh, he's from a very broken home. He's grew up in uh, a trailer park and there's some stigmatism with that and there's some stuff they lean into that's not necessarily always true but can be true but it's also just like a lot of his fears and insecurities that they don't like shy away from showing and then like just a lot of like really bad family stuff that they like pull through and it's never like too bad because it's still you know network tv but um the show does a really good job of like highlighting these things and not making it feel very after school special. Not like, oh, this is a one off. Like, no, these are char- these are characters yeah. that are very specific. And if a character's like here did like do they're there for like more than one episode. They're there for three or four or five. If they need to bring someone new in to like understand this experience. Yeah, because I mean, even in this episode, we we see a I don't know a deep moment, mm-hmm. a moment that asks like you know makes Corey question his own. I don't know philosophies, yeah. you know, because so he's, he's, he's a middle schooler who maybe doesn't know it all. Yeah, he's a dumb, he's a dumb kid, and so you know, so Mr. Feeney plays that role in this yeah. episode. He basically like lectures Corey, but it's like, no, no, the adults talking. Like he's <laughs> yeah. gonna try to teach you something, and like it's supposed to be, hey, kids at home, pay attention. He's trying to teach you something, right? Um, and I, I can play a little bit of that because well, it, let me actually introduce this clip. Um, 
while Corey is sleeping in his uh, treehouse, right? He witnesses because Mr. Feeney is his next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. He sees Mr. Feeney uh, preparing dinner for himself, and you're le- he like what? What does he do? Like, does he, he light he, some candles? He, he lights some candles. He sets a table for with two dishes, two wine glasses, and like a, sets the table for a dinner with someone else. Yeah, and you. Corey and the audience assume that he's having a date with somebody because mm-hmm. you see him earlier in the episode, like flirting with a female teacher. Old people shouldn't flirt. <laughs> <laughs> Live your life, old people. Don't flirt in front of me. <laughs> Matter of fact, I don't care how old you are. Don't flirt in front of me. I don't want to see it. Continue. Yeah, that, that's true. I don't want to see anyone <laughs> flirting with anybody. Um, so Corey and then and then Mr. Feeney gets a call. Mm-hmm. You know, you see Mr. Feeney walk to the phone, get really disappointed, then, like, pack up one side of his, his table. Right. Because whoever he was going to have dinner with canceled on him. Yeah. And Corey is like, oh, that's, you know. Corey, like, has a moment where he's like, oh, Mr. Feeney was stood up. Yeah. He got dumped or whatever. Yeah. So he brings it up in detention and Mr. Feeney gets defensive. A little bit. Why do we have to stay here just because I don't want to hear about this love stuff? Because I know it only leads to no good, and I know in your heart you agree with me. And what brings you to that conclusion, Mr. Matthews? Because you and I had dinner together last night. Really? I wasn't aware. I had chocolate pie, and you had salad for two all by yourself. How did you know that? Because I slept in my treehouse last night. You know why? Because this love stuff has turned my whole family against me. And you're teaching us how it's worth killing yourself for, when I know you don't really believe that, do you? And then, uh... Mr. Feeney pulls up his big boy pants and is just like, sit down, kid. I'm going to teach you something. He really does. Uh, Also, I would like to say, I don't believe he was trying to say love is worth killing yourself for. (laughs) Your students should not be getting that. Right. But yeah. But that is the most elementary, like, uh, assessment of of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, love, the star-crossed dash, (laughs) star-crossed lovers. Yes. If you're going to read a Shakespearean play, do much ado about nothing. Anyway. Yeah. He, at that point, is just like, okay, you creep who watched me eat dinner. (laughs) Think you know me? You think you know anything? This reminded me of the the dad talk in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that we talked about with uh, with Uncle Phil. Yeah. Uncle Phil's like, you think you're so wise. Yeah. You think you know me? Well, you have he, posters of the man. Ah, listen to him speak. Right. So Mr. Feeney has the exact same thing. He's like, you think you know everything? Well, let me tell you something, punk. <laughs> Shakespeare wrote plays and sonnets. The Greeks wrote tragedies and comedies. Robert Burns, Emily Dickinson, the Brownings examined the depths of human emotions. And do you know what each one of these poets, playwrights, and philosophers had in common? Mr. Matthews? They all took your class? <laughs> That's fine. Every one of them was older than 11. <laughs> I mean... I don't know if that's uh, effective for, for a middle or, you know, a little kid. Yeah. They, they don't want to... Oh, I have to be old to be able to understand some stuff. Yeah, but Mr. Feeney is... He's, he's a little frustrated. Yeah. I want, I, I want to think, like, he... He recognizes, this is one of those moments where it's like the teacher recognizes the potential in a kid. Yeah. And he's trying to bring the, the best out of that kid. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like you have to push them. Yeah. You know, you like, because the reason, the we barely, we brushed over, but the reason that Corey is in detention is because he was listening to the Phillies game in class. Right. On his, uh, his, his portable, radio radio. 
He did, there was no earbuds back there, so he had the street. You, we were watching it. And you were like rookie mistake. You should have put the cord in your shirt. Yeah, he he <laughs> was he had um the he had the headphone in his hand, like you know listening to it, and he was like, kind of leaning on his his hand a little bit to try and listen. And Mr. Feeney said, "Like stand, sit up straight, Mr. Matthews." And when he stood up, you could see the cord. And mm. I was like, rookie mistake. <laughs> should have fed the cord through your long sleeve shirt and then had the headphone. In the palm of your hand. In the palm of your hand with the sleeve obscuring it. And then you just lean your hand on it. And then when you sit up straight, he won't see it. Hey, kids. Um, Don't listen to Uncle Rod. (laughs) He was a delinquent. I was a delinquent that got straight A's. Yeah, just like Sean Hunter. (laughs) He didn't get straight A's. Not also not an excuse. (laughs) But either way, Mr. Feeney recognizes that Corey Matthews is smarter than this. Like he, he... has the potential to do great things, but he's undisciplined and rowdy. And believes he knows all there is to know because and a little, he's 11. And, and overactive, I think, also. Yeah. A little bit. He's a regular 11-year-old boy. So Mr. Feeney is trying to put him in his place so that Corey can be, be better, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> there is no greater aspiration than to have love in our lives, Mr. Matthews. Romeo knew it and died for it. Others know it and prepare salads. (laughs) And those who don't know it will sit in detention for the rest of their lives. William, can you just like, you know, act for a while? (laughs) Just act as hard as you can. He, He did a lot of carrying of the show. He's the best part of this episode. Mr. Feeney. This whole speech. Yeah. It was a good speech. Also, I really just like the line. Like, if you don't understand this, then you'll sit in detention for the rest of your lives. Just like, the ennui of it. (laughs) Where I'm like, you're right. You know, like, if you don't have these, like, understandings of the big worths of of life, Mm -hmm. you can feel very trapped. Like, you can't really move anywhere. And you're, like, held by your... I don't know. It's a great line. I was going to say, this is a lesson that I learned, like, as a senior in high school, right? Mm. I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I guess I was a bad kid. <laughs> you, you said I was a bad kid. but You were a bad kid. But what I'm saying is, like, when I was in senior in high school, I was taking AP literature class. And, like, the teacher was trying to teach us how to, you know, critically analyze a piece of literature. Mm-hmm. You know, look at, you know, look at elements of fiction in order to identify theme and make your point and all that stuff, right? Right. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like... How do you know the author meant that, right? Mm-hmm. How do you know that the color blue means this, right? Like, it could just be coincidence, right? right? And it's like, why is any of this important, right? Yeah. And and the teacher had to, like, teach. It was like, you don't understand. Like, literature is about the human condition. And so, like, that, he just, he harped on that the, for, like, the first half of the year. It was like trying to, under, he was like, what we're doing is identifying the human condition. Mm-hmm. It's like, these works of fiction, I, you're, Everyone is able to identify with them because they all, even though they have many different themes, they all come down to the human condition. Yeah. And it's like, we always have, there's always something to learn. There's always something to identify with. And it's like, your goal is to identify it and then argue like in favor or against it or whatever. Right. Right. Identify something and prove your case. Yeah. So I was like. This is a valid speech that Feeney's trying to give, but I, I can understand the difficulty in trying to break through on an 11-year-old. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, man. 
the patience you have to have, like to like, I've got a degree and I chose to teach middle school children, I, and that's a choice, right? Like that's a choice. That's not something that you're like thrown into. It's like you chose this, you wanted this, but oh man, <laughs> see, I don't want to teach at all. But the the on the least on my list of kids I want to teach <laughs> middle school middle schoolers. Yeah, my my theory of, is this right? Children. They're not human beings yet, right? They haven't developed enough to be able to, like, learn to be human beings. Really, like, children are, are a lot like animals that can talk. <laughs> and, okay. And then by the time they've reached middle school, they have become human beings. They are capable of thinking like a human being, acting like a human being. But there's one thing they lack. Empathy. Empathy, compassion. <laughs> so it's like... They're human beings that know how to hurt other people. Like, that's all they know how to do. Hurt people emotionally. That's why middle school is, like, the darkest time for so many kids. Because hormones rule you, and you just, 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 just yeah. act. It's like, you don't know instinct. how to, you don't know how to act appropriately in a social situation. So, just, the kids are just nasty to each other. Yeah. For three years, two years. That's fair. I've blocked out most of my middle school years. Like, I barely remember anything because yep. I'm like, oh, that was, I... I've been through some stuff in my life that I've blocked out three whole years. We don't, we don't pry on that. We don't talk about that in therapy. We just don't do it. So I'm like, Feeney, I appreciate what you're trying to do. This is a fool's errand with this 11 year old boy. <laughs> He's trying, but this is the reason we need like, okay, well, well we need parenting, but also like good teachers that like. Good role models. Yeah. Well, people who are willing to put in the work there because like kids don't just come by. Yeah. I was like to empathy all empathy and more like you that needs to be like built in you and so if you're not if you're not doing getting it at home because your parents have to work so that you can be fed so that you can make it to adulthood like it has to come from somewhere yeah, shout out to all of you good middle school teachers out there I had a handful of great middle school teachers salutes to you and to your you middle school PE teachers do better <laughs> you know you're not doing better do better. I, I had one okay middle school gym teacher. The other ones were mean and nasty <laughs> to everybody. Mm -mm. Can I vent about freaking middle school gym teacher? Go ahead. There's a dude. He I, Name he, redacted. Name redacted. <laughs> Let's, Mr. We'll call him Mr. <laughs> little Man Syndrome. <laughs> wow. He, I was going to say call him Mr. McColkey, but no, now. No, yes. no. He was, he was a short man, but he was built like buff mm -hmm. right he was clearly like trying to compensate for his size right um, and he was so mean to us right mm -hmm. like he was you know very strict yell uh demean uh, there there was a so th there was a, pr a protocol procedure in in gym class in when i was in middle school where if you forgot your gym clothes at home you had to wear something called a loner right, right. which was just extra gym clothes that i, I assumed they laundered I can only assume that. We have to. I can hope that. <laughs> um, they would give you they would give you extra clothes, right? Right. So you put on extra clothes. The the thing is, Mr. Little Man Syndrome dyed all of the loners pink. Mm -hmm. So that when you went out to gym class, everyone would know that you had loners on. Because right. they were bright pink. Right. And I was just like I'm thinking back, I was like, that is wrong. Yeah, I think nowadays where you're just like, uh, pink is a color. But when we grew up, like the ridicule you yeah. get, especially in middle school. Uh, eh. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Like kids forget stuff. It happens, you know. Like, yeah. 
at the very least, like give him a warning and they give him attention. Don't make him do that. I feel like making a kid go out there who's already self conscious about himself wear pink clothes. Yeah. To gym class, like undersized gym clothes too. Uh, like that was another thing. Like he would give you like a size too small. Yeah, that's he threatened rude. me with detention because I ran into the loaner room and grabbed a bigger pair of shorts because <laughs> I was just like, I can't wear these. Yeah. I literally can't wear these. They are too small. Yeah. And yeah, so. This, yeah, I, sorry. Th- th- Mr. Feeney is not this way. Yeah, I would. I'm going to say my own gym rant. Like, I. Yeah, for middle school, I couldn't get out of it. I, I don't. I can't. I can't remember, but I remember line dancing. Probably. I, I remember always, I did that in high school. having to like write papers. I never took PE in high school because I was like, if I do a sport, I don't have to do PE. And so for all four years, I was either doing basketball or swimming or both at the same time because I was like, no, I'm not doing PE ever again. And I didn't. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Hey, be better, gym teachers. Be better, gym teachers. Be better. <laughs> Here's the thing. I do want to say... I wonder if, like, I almost say community guidelines, but, like, district guidelines make you have to, like, do so. You know, like, some teachers are beholden by things that their districts put in place because bureaucracy and um, redlining and lots of stuff. Does it extend to be? I don't know. I don't know, man. I feel like, but just, if you were able to do better, do better. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, at the very least, Mr. Feeney's... (laughs) A speech to Corey does sink in a little bit because Corey just has a change of heart about something. What does he do? He goes to his brother and says, I'll move back in. He, he, he agrees to move back <laughs> in with his brother. Um, and he has a heart to heart with Eric. Yeah. Because Eric had a bad date. He did have a bad date. You had a bad date? No, I had a great date. And Heather was beautiful. She knew what to say. She knew what to do. Unfortunately... Her date spilled food, tripped over chairs, and had nothing interesting to say for nine innings. Eric, you're much too cool for some girl. Newsflash, I'm not cool. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay, you're not cool. And now you know better than to go to a game without your brother. You're right. I am? Yeah, it's my first and last date with Heather. I never want to see her again. Good. And then he thinks about it for a little bit. And Corey's like, wait a minute, I just had this like deep talk with Mr. Feeney about love and why it's so important. And I could see how distraught my brother is about all this. <laughs> so maybe I should be a little kinder. And maybe I should push him to it, it, explain to him that love's worth it. <laughs> or whatever. Call her. Who? Who? Heather, my nemesis! <laughs> Call her! Why? Because they're sitting there drooling and pathetic and... I know somewhere inside's my cool brother, and I'm not gonna get him back unless you call her. Look, I'm not calling her. I sat there all night and didn't say anything. What could I say now? Take her to a movie. (laughs) There you're supposed to sit and not say anything. A movie's perfect for your current skill level. Why do you want me to call her? I'm told love is worth it. (laughs) There's him learning. The Uh... arc of the show. Yep, the whole point of the show is Corey learns things. The boy meets the world, and he learns things. He, he's, like, very, like, dismissive of the lesson he's learned. Like, yeah. It's like, he's learned a little bit of it. Like, he doesn't <laughs> quite understand why it's important, but he's just like... I'm told it is. 
And I kind of understand a little bit about it, but I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I think it's really interesting, though, like, the realist lesson that he it takes hold of, though, is the, like, choosing people, right? Like, not abandoning them when yeah. you feel, right? Like, so he, like, chose to continue to back his brother, right? Right. And a scene right after this, uh, he chooses to finally sit down and play with his sister. Right. And chooses to stay and, like, play with her a little bit later and put her to bed uh, so that she can get some enjoyment out of right. it, you know, kind of thing. Because for him, it's like, he he, do, he he doesn't really care about the, like, significance of, like, romantic love. Yeah. But, like, he identifies the significance of, like, love in his family. Yeah. And, you know, that companionship, you know, family. Family bond, family, like, in the importance of, of that kind of love, familial love. Right. And it's it's something. Yeah. I think especially if they're the network was reaching out to a specific subset of kids, like not teens and stuff. And maybe they weren't trying to push as of yet, you know, the like romantic love. Like we will get that from Eric every now and then, but it'll be very like peripherally peripheral. And as these kids get older, they'll, yeah, they'll, we'll get there. We'll move into that. But like building up the like importance of the, the platonic love bond kind yeah. of thing. That's that's Boy Meets World. That is Boy Meets World. I feel like we didn't really talk about the episode like we normally do, but go watch it. It's on Hulu it's or pretty, Disney Plus. It's pretty simple. It's a very simple uh, yeah. show. <laughs> would, you, would you recommend it? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I would too. It's it a sweet show. It is sweet. Yeah, and uh, I I wouldn't mind watching it. We will. We we're will. Gonna, we're gonna stop watching season two and just switch to this. <laughs> we give up on shows all the time we do because we don't watch through them fast enough for my liking um so how did boy meets world do in the ratings owing in large part to its time slot boy meets world debuted to 16.5 million viewers ranking it as the fifth highest rated show of the night get it get it get it get it uh, the show boasted commendable ratings throughout its entire run i mean yeah it helps to be in the most popular time slot on, yeah, on Friday does. night. Um, of the pilot, the Baltimore Sun said, The confrontation between the, hey, I'm just a kid, Corey, and the arch and starch Feeny makes this series something an adult doesn't have to feel ashamed of watching. Hey. I feel like that was something that most of the critics identified was the relationship between Corey and Mr. Feeney is the best part of the show. Yeah, especially like in these early years. Mm -hmm. And and the, you know what? I feel like I'm really grateful that this was a thing that people are like creatives move towards. The like, we're making this for kids, but we parents will be watching it too. So something that yeah. they could actually enjoy, a family show. Right. Uh, Variety said, Savage is just fine as the sharp boy with lots of ideas, and Daniels is excellent in what have in what might have been a routine role, I assume. They're talking about William Daniels, Mr. Feeney. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I take uh, umbrage to saying that Ben is just fine. <laughs> he's just fine as a sharp boy. Uh, he's excellent. He's really good. He's really, like, like, legitimately, I'm like, who, what? Just fine. Like, listen to that line. Morgan is just fine. That line where he goes, take her to a movie, right? Yeah. He doesn't just say that line. He puts his whole body into he that does. line. He does. And so it feels funny. very much like an 11 year old. He, he like, he closes his eyes a little bit, like does a little squint and he like, he looks like a mob boss, like take, take her to, to a, a movie. movie. Like, he does so well. He does so well in his delivery and everything, and it feels very much like snarky 11-year-old boy. Yep. 
Uh, to that end, the show was nominated for 15 Young Artist Awards over its run. Yeah. Winning two for Best Performance by a Young Actor. Yeah. Uh, guest, uh, but not for any of the leads. It was only for guest starring roles. Well. The first award went to actor Justin Thompson for playing a character named Ludwig in season two. <laughs> is, is that, you remember Ludwig? Uh, vaguely, yes. Um, and the second went to actor J.B. Gaynor for playing the character Tommy in three season six episodes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you wouldn't know. Shout out to Tommy. <laughs> um, the show also won a Kids Choice Award for Favorite Television Friends for Ben Savage and Ryder Strong. That's, yeah. Corey and Sean. Yes. <laughs> I got it. Good job. Ryder Strong is such a great name. And where did the show go from here? So, Boy Meets World ran for seven seasons of 158 episodes. I know you talked a little bit of some of the topics tackled in those later episodes. Mm-hmm. Anything else you remember we're going to talk about? I know uh, professional wrestler Big Van Vader shows up in one episode, right? Some kid's dad? Yeah, I think he's in three. I, I, I do remember bits of that episode. Yeah, like, it was one of those like... Uh, episodes where somebody had to keep changing their outfits and going to different events. I feel like it was like one of those. I don't know. Um, but there's like a lot of like stuff that like there are a lot of big things. Like again, they're tackling so many different things like long term relationship, long distance relationships, mm-hmm. cheating in relationships, um, growing up, growing older, making decisions about college, especially when your like friend groups go to different places. Like it handled a lot of like very real things. Puberty. Puberty, uh self-worth, um self-image as a just all just all, different lifestyle like for the longest time. For the first two or three seasons, too, Topanga was very much a hippie child. Her parents were like sunbeam and um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. And like, I don't remember. That's that, she, that 60s nostalgia. She called them by their first names. She had long, wavy, crimped hair. She, lots of stuff. Talks about what, just, there's just so much. There's just so much. It's so good. And it's funny. And it holds up. Yeah, speaking of Topanga. Topanga. Uh, the character of Topanga Lawrence first appeared in episode four. Corey's alternative friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character was a recurring character in the first season, but starting in season two, Danielle Fischel, the actress, uh, joined the main cast as Topanga and was credited in the opening credits. Yep. For the entire rest of the show. Yep. Also, m- worth noting, in season three, um, actress Lily Nixay, who played Morgan, was replaced yep. with a different actress named, <laughs> Aged Lin- her up. A, 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 named Lindsay Ridgway. Yeah. Do you know how they uh, they they handled that? No. Like <clears throat> at some point in season in this preceding season, Morgan like got in trouble for something. He got sent to her room, <laughs> much like Judy Winslow. Oh dear! And then the next season, like a couple episodes in, um, she like came down to the table and <laughs> and they're Morgan. What happened to you? You guys had me in my room forever. Like, she just was like three or four years old. <laughs> there you go. And super sad. Oh, gosh. That's a sitcom staple. Yeah. Recast people. Recast the children when you need them to be doing more things. In 2014, a sequel series called Girl, Girl Meets, Meets World, World debuted on the Disney Channel. Did I watch every single episode of that? Did you? Yes. Okay. I, I didn't. I know. Is it better or worse than Boy Meets World? Uh, the first half of the first season is trash. 
And then I really like everything else. I will say if you look up anything online, it, people will be like, the characters talk like they're aliens. Why Why are they talking like this? Why is this how they are delivering lines? And I retroactively, I'm like, yeah, that is weird how all of them are delivering these lines. Does it make me love it any less? No, not at all. We oh, will dear. be watching all of Boy Meets World followed by Girl Meets World. No. And you are not going to like Girl Meets World, but I'm going to watch the whole thing and you're going to watch it with me. Uh, the premise of Girl Meets World is it's set 15 years after Boy Meets World follows Corey and Topanga's daughter, Riley. Yep. Riley Matthews and her friend. So Ben Savage and Daniel Fisher reprise their roles as Corey and Topanga, mm-hmm. while several of the other cast members from Boy Meets World made recurring appearances. Yeah. Occasionally, Minkus shows up. Who? <sighs> We're going to start watching Boy Meets World very soon. <laughs> Minka? Minkus! Minkus? Minkus! Oh, I don't know, Minkus. <sighs> We're going to be watching Boy Meets World <laughs> okay. very soon in this Shout household. out to Minkus. Uh, Girl Meets World came to an end in 2017 after three seasons of 72 episodes. That's because that's all Disney does now. And uh, I, I like was looking into it. Apparently there have been requests to bring the show back. But Do who, it. Who knows? Do it. At this point, they should, They can't. But I love that show. But that is Boy Meets World. Yeah. And... Uh, that's the end of our first segment. Well, that was quick. Yeah. So uh, we're going to close out this segment with the season five through seven theme song. The one with the beach rock Boy Meets World singing. <laughs> so with that, we will see you on the other side with my show of 1993. Every day on Boy Meets World, you can learn some of life's basics, like communication. Have you ever heard the expression, Ah! Uh, what? Fashion. I don't want to talk about it, okay? I do. You took that out of my closet. And of course, dating. I got a lot of other things in my mind besides girls. Girl, girl, right there. Get yourself some basic training for life. I am excited and I'm ready to rock you. All right. On Boy Meets World. Welcome back to the second segment. I'm rethinking our relationship. Uh, you are listening to Go Go Power Rangers by Ron Wasserman, also known as the Mighty Raw. He calls himself the Mighty Raw? No, I think that the producers of the television show uh, credited him as the Mighty Raw so that they could deny him royalty checks. Ooh. As we will learn, the creators of the show are cheap, cheap, cheap. Cheap, cheap, cheap. Yeah, shady, cheap. Shady in a tree, cheap, cheap like a bird. (laughs) (laughs) The cheapest men in Hollywood. Uh, But yeah, that is the theme song to my show, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Also known as Sentai Rangers. No, no, no. Uh, Debuting August 28th, 1993 on Fox Kids. Created by Heim Saban and Shuki Levy. 
starring Austin St. John, Tui Tran, Walter Emmanuel Jones, David Yost, and Amy Jo Johnson. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, yeah, so Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was uh, ubiquitous when I was a young boy, right? <laughs> so I, I was a baby. When you were a young warthog? I was, I was a baby in 1993, so I obviously was not uh, co- like conscious. Right. <laughs> I wasn't aware of it, like, debuting or anything like that. Right. But when I came of age to being able to start recognizing things and, and remembering things, Power Rangers just was and had always been. <laughs> Like, I remember, like, what kind of primordial origin story? <laughs> it was like because when I was going to like preschool daycare, all of the boys watched Power Rangers. We all dressed up as Power Rangers for Halloween, right? I can't even like. It was just like, yeah, we all loved it. We all loved Power Rangers, and uh, by the like, so by the time I was remembering it, watching it, I was maybe four, three or four, five. You know, mm-hmm. three or four, most likely, right? So this is ninety six, ninety seven. Right. They were going into the Zeo Turbo years, mm-hmm. right? Because Power Rangers, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, had ended by that point. They'd gone into other series, right? Um, but I still watched Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in reruns. Yeah. All of my friends had the VHS tapes. Yeah. We would just so for me, Power Rangers was just you, all encompassing, ubiquitous yeah. with youth. All of the different Power Rangers, it was all the same to me, right? Like. For me, Power Rangers could drive cars. They could drive dinosaur robots. They had the big mechs, and it didn't matter. It was like, yeah, I knew I knew Tommy and Jason and uh, TJ. Oh wow, they were all just one big old family. Yeah, all of it was the same. Yep, that makes sense. Rocky, uh, Adam, Rocky three, <laughs> and so yeah, like I have a like in this. Like my fan of a Power Rangers went into I think like the the last Power Rangers series that I watched consistently was in space, Power Rangers in space. Okay. Um, and that was that the name of it, Power yes. Rangers in space. Okay, yes, it was, and uh, I believe that season aired when I was in second or third grade. You. Um, I remember in first grade, right? Like I was still really into Power Rangers. Uh, there was a kid who moved into town, right? He was in mm-hmm. my first grade class. He also loved Power Rangers, so he and I would play Power Rangers at recess. Cute. He 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 was always the Green Ranger, and I was always the Blue Ranger. Oh, nice. So it was funny. Like, I still remember this to this day. This kid labeled one of the other kids in our class Goldar, <laughs> who's one of the bad guys in Power Rangers. He's like Gabriel. Who I, I don't know his name. I can't remember Ben. Gabriel Goldar. I don't know. It's like you're Goldar. We hate you. <laughs> like <laughs> you're our enemy. So for him, it was real. Like he was, he was living it out, right? Ooh. Like for him, he did not like this kid because that kid was Goldar. So there was an instance where um, some older kids were bullying me or something like that, right? And this young guy, this young kid, uh, let's call him the Gab- Green Ranger. Ga- you know, let's call him Gabriel, the, okay. the Goldar, right? Uh. Little Goldar, who was my friend because mm. we were all playing Power Rangers together. He. Stood up for me and said, hey, Rodney's my friend. Leave him alone, right? Mm. And I was like, cool. The kid who was always the Green Ranger overheard that and disowned me. <laughs> like, he was like, you're like, you're with the enemy. <laughs> that is so cute. I was just like. Oh, my gosh. For real? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, that, is, see, that is the only reason I would work as, uh, as a recess aide at an elementary school. That kind of drama. 
That sounds beautiful. <laughs> that's that's the TV show I'm going to write and produce when I'm 40. And legit, I think I don't think we ever reconciled. Oh, I don't think man. he was ever my friend again because Goldar stood up for me. Oh man! <laughs> and I was like, I wasn't in in it. You know, I, yeah. I was I was working. This guy was shooting <laughs> in wrestling parlance. <laughs> Oh, what if he's really a wrestler now? Look that dude up. I don't know. How did, I, it feels like a wrestler. He moved away at some point during that year, so it's like, Aww. yeah, I was just like, he's gone. <laughs> green, Into the ether. Just like the real Green Ranger. <laughs> Showed Aww. up one day and then disappeared. Is that really what happened? Yeah. Tommy was in and out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tommy was green? Yeah. Who was red? Jason. Who was the, the Red Ranger in the movie? Rocky. Why did I always think Tommy was red? Tommy is red in Zeo. And Turbo. Is it the same Tommy? Yeah. He just upgraded his suits? Well, yeah, because they, they keep the cast, but they've got to adapt a new Sentai show. So they just kind of cycle through. Uh, so they get new suits and they get new colors constantly. Yeah. Okay. Clearly, yeah. I know lots about Yeah, Tommy this was war. the Green Ranger, and then he became the White Ranger, and then he was the Red Ranger. He was the White Ranger. He had a, he had a, talking, <laughs> he had a talking wolf knife or tiger knife. <sighs> That's fine. Sorry, we're getting deep into Power Rangers lore at this point. So that is my history with Power Rangers. It allowed me to. Sorry, I had to gush a little bit because it was huge. I believe every it. boy in class loved it. I did. You watch Power Rangers as a kid? No, never. No, I'm sure I caught a couple of episodes, but no, I've seen the movie with the ooze. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, Ivan no. Ooze? Yes, I mean I'm looking to see the Power Rangers fanfics. <laughs> Because There's something that you said. There's gotta be a bunch of them. <laughs> anyway, but I like not was not my cuppa. I if I was gonna watch somebody fight something, it was gonna be Sailor Moon or Goku as a boy. <laughs> Same country of origin. Yeah, that's that's. I did not do live action Asian things until I went to college. You know, it's, it took it took like. Hollywood so long to realize it's like little kids like stuff from Japan. Yeah. Like stop trying to change it or to make it more American. Yeah. Or it's just like, stop like not airing it at all. It's like kids like anime and Kung Fu. Sorry. That just reminded me of how freaking Fox box ruined card captor Sakura. It's, this, it's the same companies. Ah. <laughs> so that is, yeah, that's my history with Power Rangers. Um, let's talk about how this show was made, because it is a very interesting tale. Is it more than Boy Meets World? Yes. <laughs> All right, let me ch- sit back with my Moscow mule. Okay. Television executives Haim Saban and Shuki Levy made a name for themselves in the 1980s and early 1990s for composing music for various television shows, such as Inspector Gadget, He-Man, na, 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 Inspector, by the power of Grayskull, and Rainbow Bright. And they also produce shows like Kid Video, The Karate Kid, and X Men. I have no sound effects for them. Both, both on their own and with producer partners like Deke and Marvel. What's Deke? Deke's uh, really, I believe, a French Canadian Mm. or just a French production company. Maybe they 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 did Inspector Gadget. Oh, and they possibly make uh, Miraculous Ladybug. You have no idea what I'm talking about. No. Um, Their production company, Saban Entertainment, also localized many foreign programs for North America, such as Ashi Productions' Go Shogun, which was localized as Macron One, and Tatsunoko's 
Kyoto Ninden Tiendi. Tiendi. Localized as Samurai Pizza Cats. I... What? I want it. I want it now. Samurai Pizza Cats? Yes. What is the art for this? Give it it's, to me. It's very anime, cutesy. It, it's like Hello Kitty type uh, cats, cartoon cats. But Haim Saban licensed it, basically dubbed over it, and tried to capitalize on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles craze of the late 80s, early 90s. So I don't like it. I'm looking at it and it makes me think of like... What's that, that robo... It makes me think of Sonic, but also like Metro Man, Me- Mega, Mega Man, Man. Rocket Man. <laughs> yeah, so Samurai Pizza Cats was basically a weird ripoff of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or like a cash grab. Like it wasn't that originally. It was like that's no, it was, just it, how it's, they... it's an unre- It's just that yeah, it was just an unrelated anime that they just brought to America, named Samurai Pizza Cats, and tried to make it like Ninja Turtles. America, why do you make me so? It's Heim Saban. Heim Saban. They, they, they're like, get rich quick. That's their, like, philosophy. Mega Man. <laughs> it's like... Did these make you rich? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, okay, while on a business trip to Japan in 1985, Saban uh, saw a broadcast of the show Chaudenshi Bioman. After learning that a popular French language dumb of that program aired in France um, on Canal Plus, Saban saw potential for an American adaptation. Okay. Uh, Saban and Levy produced a pilot entitled Bioman in August 1986, but according to Levy, they, quote, shopped it around for at least five years, but no one wanted it. Well. But what is Chaudenshi Bioman? Tell me. Let's Tell go, me now. Let's go back in time to 1975. I don't like going back in time. When Himitsu Sentai Go Ranger debuted, <laughs> debuted in Japan <laughs> as the first installment of the Super Sentai Meta series. Woo! Super Sentai, roughly translated as Super Squadron, is a long-running meta series that is it's comprised of several different shows, mm-hmm. right? Uh, just like Power Rangers. Involving a group of masked superheroes who practice martial arts, pilot mechs, and fight fantastical enemies. Sound familiar? It does sound familiar. Sounds familiar because <laughs> all of the action scenes seen in Power Rangers is just lifted from Super Sentai. No. Yes. All no. of the costumes, the monsters, the fights, the mechs. It's all licensed footage from an unrelated Japanese action show. That can't be right. Are you sure your research is correct? Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> by 1985, eight Super Sentai series had aired, each one with its own cast of heroes and its own theme. So every, they always, every year, they had a new show with a new cast, new theme, right? I want to watch that. So I think like one Sentai show was, you know, like international heroes, right? You know, it's, it's sort of like, reminded me of... Uh, Captain Planet, you know, like, here's a hero from the U.S., here's a hero from Japan, here's a hero from the U, uh, the USSR or something. Right, right, right. And then the next one was based on, you know, s- some kind of mythology or something. Mm-hmm. It was just always different. Right. Um, and that's why with later Power Rangers, it's just a new cast with a new theme. It's because they're always beholden to, to whatever, whatever yeah. Sentai is doing. Yeah. And Sentai's still running to this day. Sure is. So, Saban and Levy's idea of an American Sentai adaptation did not come to fruition until 1992 when they pitched the project to Fox Kids executive Margaret Loesch. Loesch's bosses at Fox did not have much faith in the project, only financing a pilot that, 
if unsuccessful, would lead to Losha's dismissal. She bet her she bet her job on Power Rangers. Yeah. Is this Losha related to Robert Losha? No, not Robert Losha. <laughs> no. I'm like, that's crazy. That is like, how long has she been in her career? I, I don't know. Was she like, eh, I'm ready to retire anyway? Because that's sure. not a thing that I would do. But like, we, I, I know that like, what Power Rangers was selling is what little kids wanted to buy, right? Yeah. Like action, cool costumes, yeah. colorful costumes, colorful monsters, and stuff like that. It's like, it, it, it seems like a slam dunk, but at the same time, like, I can understand some executives like, I don't know, hesitance to to. Cause like I I don't know man I'd be like because it's different it's way different I'd than be like Saban that... Levy like not you guys <laughs> we'll do it but not with you <laughs> well, that's a great idea let's steal it ah uh, yeah <laughs> but hey they they shot a pilot used action footage from the latest Sentai season which was Kyoryu Sentai Zhuranger or Dinosaur Squad's Zhuranger <laughs> um, intercut with new live action footage of American characters connecting the fight scenes. So we and it it melded perfectly. Yeah. So the the episode that we watched for the show was not the pilot. The the pilot was different. Mm-hmm. It, it even had a different Yellow Ranger. Right. Um, a different Trini character. Uh, Trini was a different actress, actress. in the pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw some clips of it online. It was I don't know. Look, it, it was the basic feel of of, of Power what Rangers. Power Rangers be- right. was. But uh, let's talk a little bit about its source material. Kyoryu Sentai Judenja. We have the theme song. I like this theme song. (laughs) So we, in preparation for this show, we also watched the first episode of Judenja. And I prefer it. Well, tell us, like, you know, briefly describe uh, the Sentai Judanja show for us. Um, a meteor is hurtling towards Earth, Meteor X, and it's going to destroy Earth. And uh, Japan sends a space shuttle up to see what it is and see what they can do with it. Uh, the space shuttle has two grown men and two children in it. The two grown men go out onto said uh, meteor and are like, is it the meteor or is it a moon? They either go it's like to the Planet moon. X or something. Yeah, Planet X. They go and they find a. Um, you also see this in the American version. They find a manhole and they open it, and out pops a mystical being, like a, um, like a mystical witch. You called her Baba Yaga. I did call her Baba Yaga, and uh, she is finally released to wreak havoc on the world like she wanted to before. But there's a man, an old man on Earth. Who transfers, makes his ear real big and can hear what she's saying up there and realizes that she's been released. So he goes and awakens the guardian reptiles, which are the Power Rangers. And, and in this in this show, they they're like mystical beings, mm-hmm. like like timeless beings. They're not they're not teenagers. No. They're not people like just everyday. They're like guardians that were at rest in a cryogenic sleep. Right. And then they get woken up. And they all have like the spirit of the, the a dinosaurs, dinosaur. a prehistoric yes. creature. I have two favorites. One of them is Dan. D- Dan is was Triceratops, I believe. I think he was green. There's no, no. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't have a green in this episode. 
You might have been blue then. Yeah, so like we watched it and it's it's just as campy as Power Rangers. Like it has that Japanese More camp. so. Like Oh yeah, it's got that that ooh classic Japanese camp. Yeah, whereas Power Rangers I think like it's very corny and cringy in a lot of ways, but it's like not as chatty as Power Rangers. Yeah. The the Shuki Levy team or the 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 Saban Levy team, they loved to like just cram as many jokes and quips as yeah. they could. Not as many quips in Zhu Ranger. But um I can understand watching that episode that you know this Japanese this weird Japanese action show and being like, "Yep, we could sell that to American kids." Yeah, you could. It's got action figures written all over it. Yeah, it does. And I'm like, so that first episode was action packed and a lot of fun. Yeah. So and also like when like the the American version had more action than the original. This is also true. Yeah, because the Japanese version is a two parter. The first episode of this that season because it, it at that point right like it wasn't the first season of uh rangers right no but it was like a new it's still a new cast with a new yeah yeah no so i think like a lot of stuff was put in place so like whoever was watching in japan knew like eventually bigger mechs will come in and stuff like that but like americans didn't know that so in the first american episode we get a really big thing happening and in the japanese version we don't get the slower burn it's a slower burn because they know what to expect i I believe sentai shows are a bit more serialized than power rangers Mm. ended up being so like they have yeah they have an ongoing story power rangers has episodes where like they progress story and like there's character development and stuff like that but it's a lot of it is just monster of the week stuff yeah you know so uh, that is kyoryu sentai judenja that show was the first sentai series to have a regular sixth ranger that would be the green ranger mm-hmm. and according to wikipedia it was the first to introduce the the concept of sentient living mecha not mecha in general but like Mecha that moved on their own because, like, the Megazords in Power Rangers, like they, they come to the Power yeah, Rangers. they have like a they have like a, a mind of their own, and there are like living Zords that will like assist right every so often. A test screening of the pilot of Power Rangers with an audience of children was very successful for Fox, and the series was picked up by Fox Kids for an initial forty episode order. A and that is the history of Power Rangers. Oh, huh, that's not a bad history. Yep. And. From that point forward, it was a juggernaut. (laughs) Alright, so we watched uh, the first episode of Power Rangers, which is called Day of the Dumpster. There are several later episodes of Power Rangers that riff on that. (laughs) Day of the Dumpster has become an icon of its own. Why? I I don't know. It it was the first episode. And it's such a dumb, it's a dumb joke. Is it because he comes out of a manhole and it's supposed to be a dumpster? Rita Repulsa, the villain of the show. Baba Yaga. Let's get the intro started. Uh, You'll hear her. She's the first voice heard in Power Rangers. Go Power Rangers. So yeah, um, Rita Repulsa after 10 years I'm free. <laughs> she is um, she comes out of the, as you called it a manhole. It looks like this like ancient like bucket. <laughs> uh. I don't know. But they call it a dumpster. Like, yeah, look, you look like a big old dumpster. <laughs> You're so cute. 
Well, everyone in everyone in Power Rangers, all of, whoever they got to dub, dub all of the monsters and like random characters, any like, Japanese person speaking, it's just like they have the dumbest voices. Like mm-hmm. all of this them, will, kids will like this voice. It's very cartoony and yeah. Like I, I have no problem with dumb cartoon voices, but yeah, they're quite chatty. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, they're like that thing looks like a giant dumpster. Let's, Let's open, open it, up. it up. And they open it up, and out comes Rita Repulsa. Oh no. Who's the main villain for most of the first season of Power Rangers? Ah! Uh oh, morning breath! Let me get you a man! Oh, it's good to be free after 10,000 years. Fear your evilness, let me help you. Walk with me, talk with me. You made me step in a puddle, you nitwit! Get out of my way, monkey face! <laughs> Don't leave! You'll miss my coming out party! That's when I destroy the nearest planet! <laughs> a lot a lot goes on. A lot goes on, but she's coming out. <laughs> she's got she's I'm coming out. I want, I want the world, world to, to know. She wants the world to know. She was only the main villain for the first one? Who Uh there are she she is a constant like she's a cast member she's like she's a character for the like basically the first three seasons mm-hmm. of power rangers but she kind of gets usurped by a different villain later on like oh. a, a different a different villain kind of steps up and becomes the main villain i feel like i can only ever think of her and goldar and that's it like there are no other villains in and my then, mind and then they they end up you know the, her and the new villain team up and they get married <laughs> <laughs> was it a lovely ceremony there's an episode called i think it's called the wedding it's like a three-parter or something that's cute yeah um uh, Rita repulsa is portrayed so all of the the live action the live action version of Rita repulsa is the original japanese actress who played her in super sentai it's machiko shoga uh, but her voice is dubbed over by barbara goodson <laughs> and barbara goodson just goes for it like <laughs> her voice sounds like it will like She's like shredding her vocal cords <laughs> to speak that way. <laughs> it's like I like that voice. It's funny. It's <laughs> it's nostalgic for you. Yeah. <laughs> also, interestingly enough, um, when Saban licensed Super Sentai, part of the deal was that Toei, Toei, uh, Toei, the people who produce Sentai, mm-hmm. had to film additional footage and insert shots. Of the villain characters, um, so that they could allow the American team to kind of like insert them in uh, to make it more, you know, it, it, it helps serve their story a little bit better. Right. So they brought in uh, Machiko Shoga, dressed up in her witch getup her, mm-hmm. to make her look like Rita Repulsa, and they had her film new scenes and speak. Like do close-ups of her speaking her English lines phonetically. Mm. So that's why you. There are some shots where, like, oh, it, it seemed like she said her English line there. Yeah, it's because she did. She didn't know what she was saying. It's just but like, hey, say it. this phonetically, so that Barbara Goodson could dub over it and it didn't look weird. Yeah, not that kids would pay that much attention, but yeah. So yeah, she is the main villain. She decides that now that she is free, she's going to conquer Earth mm-hmm. because that's the, the closest planet. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. <laughs> and well, yeah. At least that's what she said in in the American version, right? So she's like, "Oh, there's a planet there. Why shall I not conquer?" Yeah. Whereas in Jurenja, she like had been sealed away after trying to conquer Earth like a millennia before or something. Yeah. And she's like, "Now is my time." Uh, so we're introduced to the villain. Then we're introduced to the heroes. 
Which, can I just say, why is Zordon, is that his name? Zordon. Zordon's first thing, like, oh, the garbage can is open. We need some teenagers. Teenagers. No. Calm down, Alpha. It's Rita. She's escaped and she's attacking the planet. Ay, ay, ay. What do we do? Teleport to us five overbearing and over-emotional humans. No, not that. Not teenagers. That's correct, Alpha. I was afraid of that. Our marker research says that teenagers are the easiest to sell to. Oh, gosh. Teenagers didn't watch this crap. Also, no. You know who I don't want to entrust my life to? Hmm. Teenagers. So I'll, I'll explain who those two characters speaking were in just a little bit. Zordon and Alpha 5. Mm. But yeah, they're talking about teenagers who are the main characters of the show. Right? right. So there are a team of five of them. They are standard, everyday teenagers in Angel Grove, California. <laughs> Right. Uh, they all hang out at the youth center <laughs> in Angel Grove. They are youths. Which is a combination of a, a juice bar, a gym, a dojo, a... Taco Bell Pizza Hut. <laughs> combination <laughs> Taco Bell and Pizza Hut. <laughs> it's got an arcade in there. It is the happening place. Like, it is. When, when people think back to like nostalgic 90s like hangouts for teens it was the youth center from yeah, power rangers yeah. there's a freaking there's a hamburger joint about a mile and a half from our house that looks like it was built in 1993 and they just never moved in they didn't change <laughs> anything so the aesthetic is just the youth center from power rangers <laughs> um it's it's gross and dirty now I Let's wouldn't go get I would, a burger. I wouldn't eat there Let's go. even if there wasn't a pandemic going on. Let's get some fries. But the aesthetic is cool because it reminds me of Power Rangers. <laughs> but yeah, we're introduced to the five teens and uh, they all conveniently say their names in the first scene we get with them. Nice recovery, Zach. Yeah, thanks for teaching me, Jason. No problem. That was awesome, Kimberly. Thanks, Trini. <laughs> hey, fellas. Yo, Billy, what's up? Well, I think I'm mentally and physically prepared for my first karate class. Oh, we got all the names. So let's run through them. Who do you want to talk about first? I don't remember. Give me a color and I'll... Billy. Billy. (laughs) Your mother's right. (laughs) No, Billy is the Blue Ranger. Uh, Billy for blue. So Billy is... How would you describe him? White. (laughs) Nerd. Nerd. Yeah, he is, he's the nerd of the group. It's his first day in karate class. He's not a fighter, but he's highly intelligent. Yes. As you'll see in the in the episode, he is like a wunderkind in terms of like uh, uh, technology and science. Mm-hmm. He builds a flying car in the first season. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yes, that does happen. Get it going, Jimmy Neutron. Um, give me another color or character. Kimberly? Kimberly is the pink ranger. She is... Valley Girl. Yes. Trina? Trini. Trini is the Yellow Ranger. She <laughs> characteristic? I don't know. Wow. She's like friendly. They call her graceful in something, right? Graceful and wise, I think. Um, I don't know. Like, it, it's really hard to describe these people and not just bring up their race because, like, there's a diverse cast of teenagers, mm-hmm. right? So it's like they're trying to, like, be diverse, I assume, just so that they can bring in the the biggest audience possible. They were trying to cast the wide net. Was there Hispanics? Uh, Rocky was Hispanic, yeah. But he's not in this episode. Nope. <laughs> Tommy? Nope, no Tommy. Phil. <laughs> Give me a color. Red? 
Red, the Red Ranger is uh, Jason. Jason. Jason's the leader. He's a, I guess, a black belt in karate. He teaches the karate class. Um, he is very uh, stern and wise, and he's he's always I don't know. He's the leader. Cool. And then the last one, the Black, black. Ranger. <laughs> the Black Ranger is Zach. Zach. Uh, he- Rhymes with. <laughs> black. <laughs> <laughs> so Zach is uh, he's he's also in the karate class. Um I I don't know. Like he likes to dance. He's into hip hop. He's kind of a friendly guy. <sighs> he's um other than Kimberly, I think like he's like the only character in the first season to actually have a like steady girlfriend or or he's the only one to be in a relationship. Like there are actual episodes where he's like trying he's it's like Spider-Man. He's trying to like juggle his Romantic life with his life uh, as a Power okay. Ranger. Yeah. Sorry, you said other than Kimberly. Kimberly? He has a girlfriend. Well, Kimberly had a romantic partner. Got it. I was like, oh, Kimberly had a girlfriend? That's no. so... Oh, no. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, you saying that he likes to dance reminded me of that one, the fight scene that I just groaned. Like, really? Really? <laughs> he does like a, a kick. <laughs> he like- starts dancing before he starts fighting. Yes. And they, they play some like... Hip hop, generic hip hop beats. Jeez. So that's the crew. Uh, do we have uh, any other uh, antagonists that may not be evil? I don't know. The bullies with their oh, Vulcan Skull. <laughs> of course. How could I forget Vulcan Skull? I don't know. Oh no! Look who's here. Vulcan Skull. Hi, girls. How about that double date we talked about? Yeah. <laughs> what about it? Sorry, guys. What's the matter? We're not good enough for you? Leave us alone, Bulk. Oh, yeah. Make me. Yeah. Make me. So, like, Bulk and Skull, that, that theme song, by the way, like, it's it's like eight seconds long and they loop it forever. So Bulk and Skull are, like, generic bully characters but they're the comic relief they're in every episode always doing something stupid they have some kind of dumb scheme or they're trying to like figure out who the power rangers are yeah um in one season they turn into chimpanzees for some reason oh yeah there's they, they spend an entire episode as chimp or an entire season as chimpanzees well that's weird in season three they become power rangers themselves no they don't they never become power rangers <laughs> i believe they're the not act- worthy the actors who play bulk and skull have a like return to play the voices of monsters in future seasons. Um, I think the dude who plays Bulk was a writer for Power Rangers for a long time. Oh, yeah, it's not very good writing, my guy. <laughs> you don't know. Could have gone better. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> Did it get worse. <laughs> that was the. It had it. <laughs> um. So yeah, Bulk and Skull. Like they're as much a part of the show's identity as the Power Rangers right. are, but like. In my head, they're the most cringe, you know, because like I, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of slapstick and uh, like, right, and they're super problematic. I'm not the biggest fan of problematic humor. <laughs> they get less of that. Like they become like they they do they are bullies and they they at one point have like a crew of like other misfits that they are constantly getting into the the Power Rangers business, right? You know, trying to ruin whatever, you know, the, if the Power Ranger crew if they're gonna like raise money for the 
Save the Whales Foundation or something, or they're having some kind of bake sale. Like Bulk and Skull will try to ruin the. Why? Because they're I don't know, they're bullies. Okay. <laughs> they're angsty teenagers. As long as they stop. But they get less and less that, and more just comic relief. Okay. Like they. You say this because you've recently rewatched. I have. It. I have rewatched a large chunk of Power Rangers uh, a few years ago. I set out to. Watch the most important episode. I, I found an article that said, like, these are the essential Power Rangers episodes. So I watched them. You were on a Power Rangers kick. I remember this. I was. <laughs> Bulk and Skull, there's a season where they become, like, private investigators for a while. Oh, like, were hall- they good at their jobs? Like hall monitors or something? Oh, they were still in high school? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. For most of the series, it's always high schoolers. Yeah. Always. But didn't they graduate? I think that at some point they did. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to it's hard to remember. Um, yeah. Okay. So again, Rita has Rita Repulsa has escaped, and we heard those uh, mysterious voices saying that they need some teenagers mm. to save the day. Those characters were Zordon and Alpha Five, who teleport the the Power Rangers crew to his secret base, his command center in, in the mountains. Casual kidnapping. <laughs> I am Zordon, an interdimensional being caught in a time warp. And my name is Alpha Five. Excuse me, but will like somebody come back to Earth and pick me up? Because I am totally confused. It's quite simple, my dear. This planet is under attack, and I have brought you here to save it. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> ah, a non-believer. Look behind you at the viewing globe. Your doubts will be answered in the images you see. So I can understand parents watching this and being like, this is gobbledygook. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm an interdimensional being. (laughs) Caught in a time warp. It's like, those words don't mean anything. (laughs) But, you know, for like generic sci-fi, the kids don't care. It's like, yeah, yeah, he's he's a time warp, of course. Time warp. He's a man in a tube. Time warp again. He's a giant face in a tube. (laughs) So yeah, Zordon is basically the, the... the boss? Yeah, he gives the Power Rangers their their orders, their objectives. He gives them their powers and their equipment and basically lets the teenagers do their thing. Right. He sends them out on the mission. He is the general. He's the general. Um, and yes, he is a giant face in a tube. <laughs> You've been chosen to form an elite team to battle Rita. Each of you will be given access to extraordinary powers drawn from the ancient creatures you call dinosaurs. Dinosaurs? We call them dinosaurs. What do you call them, Zordon? Behold, the keys to your power. Call them Zords. Whoa. What are these? Those are your power morphers. When in danger, raise them to the sky, calling the name of your dinosaur, and you will morph into a formidable fighting force known to one and all as the Power Rangers. Morph? Metamorphosis. That means to change. I hate that cut. <laughs> Why? Morph? Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. That means to change. <laughs> There's the because Power Rangers is the tale of two shows, right? Uh-huh. It's you got your all of the action sequences which are ripped straight from a different show, and then you have all of this new stuff filmed with the American teens, mm-hmm. and it's like a lot of that can be really cringy. Yeah, like I'm sure they filmed all this stuff in a day. They didn't want to waste any film or time. And I'm sure the kids didn't get very good directions, so it's just like, get in, get out. Right. Let's film this commercial product so it can be stitched together with something better and sold to, to, to children. Let's just make that money. 
So like it's all about that paper. Yeah, it's like the, the 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 dialogue and the acting is like laughably bad. Yeah, uh, not laughably. It doesn't. <laughs> I, I find it endearing. You know, uh, like as someone who watched it as a kid and yeah. can look back at like cheesy '90s stuff, I can feel endeared by this stuff. I get that. I recognize that it's bad. Yeah, it is very bad. Yeah, but it's also hilarious. Hmm. <laughs> That is where we disagree, but I understand the pool of nostalgia where you're like, yeah, this is a, where I'm just like, nope, I didn't. I don't think there was a single line or anything that I laughed at or cracked a smile to. And that's probably because it's not. There's know, a lot of groaners. You did a lot of groaning. But not like the good groaning. <laughs> it's a lot of cringe. There's a it lot is. of 90s cringe in here as well. But of course, uh, Zordon explains that, yes, they're going to become Power Rangers. They have morphers that can... Basically, they, they activate them and they become the Power Rangers. Yes. They suit up. And he also tells them that they can call on the... Uh, spirits of the dead animals. They can, they can call upon the spirits of the dinosaurs. <laughs> and they're called Zords. They're giant mech creatures. They're robotic creatures that are shaped like dinosaurs and a saber-toothed tiger. And they're called Zords. Which I feel like is a lot to drop on their heads, but they totally take it. And they're like, yeah, let's do well, this. Well, there's a little bit of hesitancy. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, so he, okay, and so at this point, Zordon, he assigns them all a color and a dinosaur. Yeah. Based on their characteristics, I guess. Yeah. Jason, bold and powerful, you shall command the Tyrannosaurus dinosaur. Zachary, you are clever and brave, you shall command the Mastodon dinosaur. Kimberly, graceful and smart, the pterodactyl dinosaur shall be yours. Billy, patient and wise. You shall command the powerful Triceratops dinosaur. Trini, fearless and agile, the saber-toothed tiger dinosaur will be under your command. And uh, I can't. So we it would be we would be remiss if we did not mention that the colors of the Power Rangers correspond more or less with the race of the actors portraying them. Race or gender? A little bit of both. Yeah, no, it's either yeah. the race or the yep. gender. Uh, Austin Saint John, who plays Jason. Uh, he's a, he has native he is of Native American descent. He's the Red Ranger. Walter Emanuel Jones is black, so Zach's the Black Ranger. Uh, Tui Trang is Asian. Trini's the Yellow Ranger, and Kim uh, uh, Amy Jo Johnson is a girl, so she plays the Pink Ranger. And Billy is a boy, so he gets the, the Blue Ranger. Yep. So I. When I hear that clip now, I can't not think of a college humor sketch called Zordon is a Racist. Oh, dear. And I have captured a clip from that. Jen, your cat-like agility can be attributed to your spirit animal, the saber-toothed tiger. You are the Yellow Ranger. I can do it, Zordon! And I'm sure your knowledge of mathematics will prove invaluable. Actually, I'm not very good at... Moving on, Edward, there are many reasons why I believe you embody the spirit of the Red Ranger. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think I see what you're doing. I'm Native American. Yes. So, Native American. Red. Maybe the Black Ranger because I'm black? No, no, no. I made you the Black Ranger because of your spirit animal. <laughs> it's this whole comedy sketch where they're just call, calling out Zordon for me. Like, why did you assign us colors based on our race like, Why would you do this? Like, no, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. So, it's... I don't think there was any malice or, or anything like that. It was, I don't think they meant anything by it. They they didn't think about it. No, probably not. No. Usually you don't think of, like, 
internal biases. Right. Like they implicit biases. I think they go out of the way with their way not to do this these days. Yeah. You know? So it's just like, yeah, we, we do it based like we create characters and we try to create we, we you know, we find that, actors that's how who it's, right. uh, yeah. We find the best actor for that character, regardless right. of race or whatever. So I think they've learned from this, but yes, that is a criticism that people had with the original Power Rangers. As diverse as it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing, like you gotta do some not you don't you don't gotta, but like for progress to happen, you need to see, like, this is where it was wrong. And as long as things move forward, like, it's fine to have, like, this is the example and why people had an issue with this because of this. And so this is why we changed, because we didn't see that before. Right. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and, of course, Zordon then explains that when they call on the power of the Zords, right, whether it be the Tyrannosaurus or the Triceratops or the Sabersooth mm-hmm. Tiger... They can come together as one, and all of the Power Rangers can pilot the Megazord. Just as the five of you work together, so do your Zords. When you need help, you need only to turn to the power of the Dinosaurs, which will come together to form the mighty Megazord. Did he say Dinozords? Dinozords. So individually, they are all Dinozords. I hate it. And when they come together, they become the Megazord, which is like this roving tank of all of these zords like crammed together right and then the megazord can enter battle mode where it becomes the humanoid mech that we all know and love right the rock'em sock'em robot mm-hmm. dude the megazord was the coolest thing as a kid yes yes it was i agree like, like i remember seeing like kids playing with them my 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 parents never bought me the megazord like action figure like mm. the big one Right? Right. I had little action figures. Like, I had I had Trini, I had Zack, I had Billy, but I never had the Megazord. My cousin, his dad also liked Power Rangers and robots because he grew up in the 60s. He liked Johnny Quest mm-hmm. and Godzilla movies and stuff like that. Right. So I think he connected with his son that way. He bought my cousin all of the Megazords. My cousin, his closet was full of them. <laughs> he had every Megazord. <laughs> and I'm like... Christmas is coming up. Do you want? I don't a want a Megazord now. I think you want I'm a too, Megazord. I'm too old for that. No, you're not. We don't have space for a we Megazord. We do. We'll put it on the bookshelf. No. Look at you. You're so happy. I'm going to make this childhood dream come true. I'm writing it down in my notes for gifts for you. Good, good luck buying a freaking OG Megazord. I will on spend eBay. money, money for you and your happiness. Well, you do, do your research and see how much a, a OG Megazord is. No. Mighty Morphin Megazord on I'm eBay. I'm not going to look at how much. I'm just going to buy it. Okay, so at this point in time, the Rangers have kind of blown off Zordon. They're like, this is too weird. Peace, dude. We're out of here. We don't, and they, he he just he doesn't transport them back to Angel Grove. He lets them walk out the front door. Yeah. And they're like stranded in the mountains. We're like, huh, I guess we got to walk home from here. You know, that's a bit of a power move because, you know, he's like, oh, you want to get home? Summon a, a Zord. <laughs> it was a test. <laughs> But then right at that point, I didn't have a clip for this, but um, Rita sends her putty patrol to fight them. Oh, yeah. Now, the putty patrol, they are from the Zhu Ranger Japanese show, right? They're, I believe in the, when we watched it, like the localization called them like clay men or something like that. Yeah. She has like a clay army. Like her monsters are able to like craft little humanoid men out of clay and then they come to life and they're like dudes in rubber suits. 
that fight the the Power Rangers, and they they look ridiculous. They do look ridiculous. The, the, like they look really dumb in the original Japanese show and in Power Rangers. But in the Japanese show, it's they're it's funny how they show up. Yeah, they're, they're like, like look at these little clay men, and then they just <laughs> double punch up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the in in the Japanese in the American Power Ranger show, the putties just make this noise. <laughs> So they, the the teenagers, the Power Rangers crew, they get overwhelmed by the putties and they realize that if they don't morph, they will be turned into putty. <laughs> Smack fist. So Jason makes the call. It's morphin' time. Mastodon! It's like this clip is only 30 seconds long and like 20 things have happened. Yeah. Also, these kids are way too chill for people who be teleported. Like, especially the first time they're like, there's an earthquake. What's happening? What's oh, where are we? Mm-mm. Y'all all high. <laughs> so a lot of those sound effects will be reused in every single episode. Because, yes. again, cheap. Saban and Levy are incredibly cheap people. If they don't have to film new footage, they won't. So it's like, yeah, these actions or these like transformation sequences, you know, like the, the tur- pterodactyl, you know, triceratops, right? Like saber tiger, right? It's that takes up about a minute. The the full transformation, play that minute. That's a that's a full minute. You don't have to use any new footage yep. for. You don't have to film anything. The transformation, the megazord, calling the megazords. You don't need any new footage. That, that's like three minutes killed right there. Oh man, it's so much. And then skip, 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 skip. And then Zordon's like transport, uh, transport them to Angel Grove City, right? Because the action scene they wanted to use takes place in a city. Yeah. Whereas the Power Rangers, when they transformed, were up in the mountains. Yeah. So it's just like lazy like, writing. Like, eh, okay, we'll put you go. Yeah, just tri- in Tokyo. Yeah, it is clearly Tokyo if you're <laughs> looking at it. But as a kid, it's just like, eh, yeah, Angel City. City. Who cares? <laughs> and then from there, it's all Sentai action for the rest of the episode. And it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's what you came for. It's so he, like, I'm like, if Power Rangers had been less corny, mm-hmm. right? If there wasn't as much corny dialogue and dumb monster voices and jokes. I don't think as a kid I would have liked it any less. The thing that got me in the door was the fighting action, you, you know, the, yeah. the, the the robots and the transformations and the big monsters and the Godzilla fights um, and all of the teen stuff was, like, supplemental. Yeah. But if the, even the action sequences, if they had just, like, got rid of the corny jokes and some of the, like, I don't know, just just tone it down just a little bit. Just let the Sentai footage speak for itself. As an adult, I would like it more. And I don't think as a kid I would have liked it any less. Yeah, but it was made by cheap people. <laughs> but also, I'm, I also think that's like, it's Fox and Saban thinking, if we don't have the American actors speak every two seconds, the kids would either get bored or not understand what's going on. Your script didn't help any, any 
of what was going on, guys. That's TV I, executives thinking they know better. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen the, the rebooted movie. Maybe it hits, ticks those boxes. Nope. It's also totally off. Have you watched? You've seen it? I've seen it. It's awful. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Oh, no. Um, but where does this action scene go? Because it's like you got the Power Rangers in their, you know, multicolored suits and they're doing martial arts on the top of a building and they're they, fighting the putties off. They get a droid and, and fight that that uh, young boy from your past. Goldar. One. Yes. Yeah, so Goldar comes out and he is a, he's like a lion man. Is he? I think he, he's a, ta- he looks like a lion. Okay. It's like a golden lion or, or like a. a I'm a, a lion. Or like a, a, a minotaur, I guess. I think he's just in gold armor. His face is, I always thought he was a gorilla. He might be a gorilla. He, he's like a. He's like a beast man with golden armor, and he's got like golden wings and a oh, tail. Yeah, he's a furry in armor. Um, so Goldar shows up, and he does a little bit of martial arts, but then Rita makes him grow because that's the thing about Power Rangers is all of the monsters have like normal size suits, and then they all grow so that they can fight the Megazords. Right. So the Megazords always fighting a giant creature in you know in a miniature city set, <laughs> like Godzilla. And then there's a scene where Rita throws her wand at the ground and it makes the monster grow. And again, they will show that sequence in every episode. <laughs> she throws that wand, it hits Gold the dirt, the, dirt the, the ground like breaks in half. And the monster grows. <laughs> and then we're fighting in a completely new at place. It's 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 a little mini city set. Yeah, they're like it's a dude in a suit standing in a you know amongst a, a bunch of miniature yeah. buildings, and and then of course the Power Rangers have to call in their Zords. Right. Back off, Fang Fang! The good guys are here. Get off our planet. Because we're the Power Rangers, and we're not backing down. Yeah. And the whooshings are just the sound of their arms in the air. Like doing poses. That's that's a Japanese carryover, though. Yeah. The, the Power Rangers are the, the, the Super Sentai group. The squadron is all, all constantly making poses. <laughs> it's to assert their dominance. And then, they so they've called on their Zords, and some of the coolest, like, puppets I've ever seen, like, emerge... So you got like dinosaur robot puppets, right? Or or like stop motion animation. Like, yeah. Like the 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 pterodactyl like emerges from a volcano. Right. And the saber tooth tiger is like running through a the desert. For- oh, desert. I think the triceratops runs through the forest or the jungle or something. Possibly. I, I might have them backwards. I, I don't think know. The, tricer- the triceratops <laughs> in the desert. Saber tooth tigers in the forest. I agree. <laughs> Either way, they're running through a bunch of like like. Different, it's uh, freaking cool. Yeah, it's yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'm like that. There's a lost art in this, right? Yeah. Power Rangers, um, it's still running. They still do a bit of this, but they rely on a lot of CG these days, even mm-hmm. the TV show. And I'm like, bring back the rubber suits, bring back the animatronics, bring back the puppets. <laughs> like, I want to see some. You're not gonna watch it though. Still, I want to see a movie that relies on practical effects for like big robot battles. You know. 
Don't worry. It'll be in the movie that I, the TV show that I make when I'm 45. I'll do this for you. There'll be puppets. And of course they call on the, they, they get the Megazord and it goes into battle mode and it becomes a giant mecha. Yeah. Humanoid. So, um, all of the fight scenes in Power Rangers are excellent. Like, the dudes who put together Super Sentai did an excellent job. The yes. action choreography. Like, imagine having to do Kung Fu in a giant rubber suit that looks like a robot. I know, no, yeah. Like, the the actors, the fighters, like, I'm like, a lot of work went a into lot. this. And it looks really good. Yeah. It's shot pretty well. Like, you obviously you can tell it's like two normal-sized dudes in costumes fighting in a miniature set. But, mm. like, you can... Just like in pro wrestling, you can suspend your disbelief yeah. enough to be like, yeah, there's just giant robots fighting. Especially when you're a child, the wonder of imagination. Yeah. That's why I think, like, I think with modern sensibilities, like, we, you could pull it off and you could make that style still look cool. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I'm thinking, like, um, Pacific Rim. Right. That, that kaiju movie mm-hmm. that uh, Guillermo del Toro made. Like, it's still too much CG. Mm, for your liking, yeah. I want to see some rubber suits. I want rubber suits to make a comeback. There was a uh, a wrestling promotion show called mm-hmm. um, Kaiju Big Battle. Oh. It, it was a it was essentially a pro wrestling show, but it was dudes in suits in New Japan or no, no, just I think it was an American production. Mm. So it was like they were doing pro wrestling moves but all of the characters rather than being like fictionalized like athletes in the mm-hmm. squared circle it was kaiju monsters in dudes and suits that's one and so they would do pro wrestling on miniature sets like in power rangers but it was a pro wrestling show cute yeah wonderful i i haven't gone back and I, i've seen clips of it but i i think i might want to go back and watch it and see how it, it you know how holds it holds up because you miss rubber suits i do and of course, so yeah, the, the episode ends. The Power Rangers are victorious. They they vanquish Goldar and Rita. Everyone lives on to fight another day. Rita vows revenge, and she's going to send a monster every week until she conquers Earth. Till she conquers Earth, or at the very least, this one city. <laughs> and then the episode ends. I, I call it on, uh, on a cringe note. <laughs> you, the you, the episode ends, and you just went, ugh. Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm in. Me too. You can count on me. Affirmative. I don't know, you guys. I mean, the outfits are cool and everything, but my hair gets all tangled up inside the helmets. I don't think I can do it. Oh, no. Kimberly, Kimberly no. Not. Circuit overload, circuit overload. I hate you. You guys Oh, humor. What a concept. Let's do it. They jump and freeze frame. Not. Yeah, that that's no good. <laughs> it's no good. None. None good. Zero good. <laughs> so yeah, there's so much corny and bad in this show. Agreed. But I, I could appreciate it on an monsters. ironic level. Yeah. Because it's dumb and it, it's like so bad it's good in some ways. Mm. And it's nostalgic. It is that. <laughs> so it's like objectively, I know this is bad. Yeah, like that scene is bad. Yeah, the fi- some of the fight scenes are objectively good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of like just objectively bad. Yeah, 
but in my opinion, from my perspective, I can enjoy it. You can, and I'm not judging you one iota. Does it seem like I'm judging you? No. Okay. Yes. No. <laughs> I'm not judging you, not even a little bit. You're allowed to like these things. We're going to, when we get closer to the some of the things, eh, when I like am actively choosing what I watch, I can taste those like, this is not good, but I love it. I mean, not any of the things that we've done so far, right? Like, son-in-law was great. No. <laughs> there was no nostalgia um, on that. So, I don't judge you. As long as you realize that it's not actually good. It's not good. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, but that is Power Rangers. Uh, I take it that's not a recommend from you. Nope. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't recommend this to anybody unless you watched it as a kid. Yeah. Um, I, I guess if you've got a young child who's into martial arts and cartoons and anime and like robots and stuff like you can sit them down and have them watch whatever current season of power rangers is on they'd probably enjoy it mm -hmm. um, but that's about it it's like everyone's got their power rangers everybody has a power rangers that they got into and grew out of everyone's got one yeah like everyone's got a doctor from doctor who yeah yeah well let's how did so how did power rangers do how did it perform while Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was a colossal smash in the ratings among its key demographic, according to Fox, the show at its first season uh, peak reached 4.3 million children. Quote, the highest rating in that demographic since CBS's blockbuster Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reached the same figure in 1991. So. I mean, so successful. Yes. Like for Fox, this was the hit they needed. This is the thing that cemented the Fox Kids block. This is why I watched Fox Kids as a kid. That makes sense. Obviously, the critics didn't like it. Obviously. Because it was bad. <laughs> right. um, Power Rangers... Uh, uh, like I, I found a few like quotes from different critics, right? And I'm like, of course you're not going to like it. I, I get it. And I'm <laughs> it's so, not for you. Yeah, so TV critic David Bianchuli, for example, simply said, quote, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is awful. Really, really awful. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I understand where you're coming from. It's only the truth. But... I feel like for what's more important is like, did the kids like it? And they did. So I reached out to a few of our friends, mm -hmm. one Scott and one David, because okay. they were there more or less at ground zero. They watched mm -hmm. Power Rangers in season one. And I had to ask them, for you, what was it like seeing Power Rangers for the first time? Right. So Scott said, it was great to see something where the heroes weren't animated. Also, the heroes were much closer to my age, which was cool. And having a secret identity to share with your friends instead of hiding it from everybody was a cool idea. It's kind of like why Harry Potter was cool. It made, it made the mundane seem magical. Hmm. I always thought the explosions and costumes were a bit much, even as a kid, but I loved the Zords the most. I was a huge Transformers stan, so anything with morphing robots I was sold on. Okay, Scott. And David said... Honestly, it was out of this world for me. It was the coolest thing in the world. I remember becoming obsessed with everything power. And then he proceeded to send me photo, like photos of a binder that he has with all of his Power Rangers trading cards, an autographed picture of Tommy, wow. and his Pog collection. David, pa you're so cute. Power Rangers Pogs. Oh, dear. That David. is the most 90s statement I could say. I just... Power Rangers Pogs. <laughs> And I think that's what's most important about Power Rangers. The pogs. The, cr <laughs> the response from kids at the time. Right. Um, 
Power Rangers also received some criticism from concerned parents over its perceived violence. Okay. It's like so cartoonish in its violence. I don't get it, but sure. The United States Federal Communications Commission received numerous complaints, as did the Canadian Broadcast Standards Council and the New Zealand Broadcasting Standards Authority. Because it was violent? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Immediately. If you say so. Immediately following a decision by New Zealand's BSA, the second season of the show was all but cancelled by Television New Zealand. New Zealand is the only country in the world where the show was premature, prematurely withdrawn from, pub, from public broadcast. Oh, alright. So New Zealand barely got the Power Rangers. Okay, New... Alright, I mean, I'm not mad at you. It was pretty violent. <laughs> it wasn't. And Mighty, Morphin, and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was nominated for one single Emmy in 1995. Wow. For outstanding single camera photography. It, uh, it did not win. Yeah. Yeah. Was it like single camera photography for the like American bits? Yeah. Okay. All right. It's now time for the Mighty Morphin Legacy. Oh, dear. I'm going to try to, you know, work my way through this. There's a lot. There's a lot to cover. Oh, no. But I'm so sleepy. <laughs> we'll try to get through this together. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers ran for three seasons of 145 episodes. Um, like I said, it was a lot of Monster of the Week stuff, you know, fighting giant pigs and. <laughs> gi- oh right, that was one of the. Yeah, was- gi- they they get turned into a giant pizza in one episode. Pizza cat. Yeah, they fight under. There's an ep- there's an episode where the Megazord fights a creature underwater. Okay. It's a lot of cool. Like, yeah, you know, go in for the fight scenes. I feel like that that's that's where you need to go. The kids are always doing something. Does that mean that the the people in the suits were underwater? No, no, no. Just the Megazord. <laughs> okay. You know, and then the teenagers are, you know, trying to save the environment or raise money for the bake sale or whatever oh, it is. Whatever it is the teenagers do. Right. Um, but most importantly, the season one episode Green with Evil introduced the character Tommy Oliver, the Green Ranger, played by Jason David Frank. And I feel like this this started the Green Ranger saga. Mm-hmm. That's when Power Rangers went from like, we like this to this is musty television for children, right? So Tommy Oliver was a Green Ranger. He was under the influence of Rita Repulsa. He was an evil ranger. Oh. And he had the Dragon Zord. Oh. Which was a dragon-shaped Megazord robot. Dragons are dinosaurs. And so, you know, there was a like a five-episode run where the Power Rangers had to fight off this evil green ranger in his giant dragon zord um, and turn him good again. Cute. So after, after that point, Tommy became like a reoccurring character. Like he would come back, you know, team up with the team for an episode or two and leave and then come back. And like, there were like mini arcs where the green ranger would come back. Mm -hmm. There was like a episode with the green candle where he was like losing his powers or something. (laughs) Uh, Tommy was a big deal and he had a romance with Kimberly. Ooh. For, apparently for a lot of young children, the kiss between Kimberly and Tommy was like the most romantic thing in the world. Sounds gross. <laughs> By the end of season one, most of the available stock footage from Zhu Ranger had been depleted and the Power Rangers producers needed more action footage if they were to continue the series, right? Obviously, like, Zhu Ranger had moved on. The Sentai people had moved on to a new... Season, season yeah. new series, completely unrelated. Right. But the Power Ranger producers were like, but we want to keep the Power Ranger status quo. People mm-hmm. are used to these costumes and these characters and these colors and these zords, right? right? So 
Saban commissioned Toei to produce 25 new monster costumes and new battle footage using the existing Zhu Ranger suits. So they just... I mean, okay. They paged the Japanese crew to basically film 25 new fight scenes. They were like, whatever fight scenes you want, we'll make a story out of them later? Yes, basically. Just use the old suits and the old zords. Um, This new footage has been referred to as Jutu by Power Rangers fans. Cute. Yep. Jutu. Um, So Saban obviously was able to produce 25 additional episodes using the new monster suits, uh, with the first first 15 for the rest of Season 1, and the remaining for the first 13 episodes of Season 2. Season 2 also introduced a completely new original villain, which wasn't from Sentai. Sentai, just completely new. His name is Lord Zed. And Why does that, that name sound familiar? He he looks ridiculous. He's like a imagine a humanoid, a man with no skin, right? Just muscle, like you know, exposed muscle, like a titan. And yes, imagine a titan from Attack on Titan, but covered in chrome armor, like the Silver Surfer. Yeah, <laughs> he looks he looks ridiculous, and he ends up kind of like he he jobs out Rita Repulsa and becomes the new big bad. Well, I thought they got married. In season three, they do. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, he, he puts... I believe he, like, shrinks Rita Repulsa down and puts her in a little, like, bottle or something. Mm. Um, and basically takes her job and fights the Rangers. And uh, then they get married. That's called Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> so that's season two. There were a few complications with season two. Okay. Complication number one. Saban, to spruce up Power Rangers' second season, wanted to also introduce... Mechs and other elements from Toei's next Sentai series, Gosei Sentai Dai Ranger. Okay. Now, Dai Ranger was based on Chinese mythology. Dragons and wizards and other such things, okay. right? So what they did was they continued to have the Power Rangers dress in their Zhu Ranger suits, mm-hmm. but they introduced mechs from Dai Ranger. So you get the Thunder Megazords. Um, and it's like, there's like a giant dragon and mm-hmm. other, just new new mechs, right? Right. But they still had monsters that they paid for from the Jutu period. So there are really awkward fight scenes where mechs from Die Ranger fight monsters from Jutu and they, they never interact with each other on screen. It's like, you'll see a punch from one and then the reaction shot of the other one. Uh, it's awful. Uh, and when you know what the production was like, and you watch it now, you're like, oh, yeah, it's obvious. Yeah. It's but as like, a kid, the, you're like, yeah. These two things are not in the same room together. <laughs> Movie magic. Yeah. Uh, problem number two. Austin St. John, Tui Trang, and Walter Emanuel Jones abruptly left the show during the second season due to low salaries and poor working conditions. They weren't union. Yeah. Uh, Saban and Levy uh, were awful people. Yeah. <laughs> Not uh, labor friendly. Sounds like it. And yep. these, they were adults. They were an actual teens. Right. They were adults. But still, so. Like Austin St. John talked about being near homeless during this period. Ugh. Because they weren't promised royalties. They weren't like, you know, they weren't getting any extra stuff from action figures and yeah. VHS sales or anything like that. That's trash. Yeah. um, The members of the cast were reportedly subject to low pay, long hours, unfair contracts, and hostile work environment. That's trash. Yep. Okay, here we go. According to Amy Jo Johnson, St. John, Jones, and Trang 
had wanted the show to become unionized, leading them to just be replaced by a trio of new actors. They just, you want to unionize? Okay, bye. Okay, bye. You're dispo- You're disposable. You're expendable. We'll just bring in three randos to take your job. And legit, again, if you know what happened watching this in season two, it is obvious. Because yeah. they got stand-ins to play Jason, Trini, and Zach. Right. Like lookalikes. Film them from behind or use stock footage from earlier episodes. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so trash. And then just have three new actors come in to play the Red Ranger, Black Ranger, and Yellow Ranger. Those three actors were Steve Cardenas, who played Rocky, Johnny Young Bosch, who played Adam, and Karen Ashley, who played Aisha. Did they get unionized? No. Uh, no. No, they... They're best... Strike breakers. Oh, no. Uh, this marked the start of a continued practice of replacing Power Rangers throughout the series. Well... It's like a revolving door of yep. rangers. It's just it's one of those, like, get your foot in the door, then get out kind of thing. Yep. In fact, by the end of Mighty Morphin, you know, the season three, mm-hmm. David Yost, Billy Cranston was the only original ranger remaining on the cast. And it's a miracle he lasted that long. He was the oldest, wasn't he? He, he was the oldest. Um, he was also... Uh, Denny. Da- yeah, David Yost is, is gay. And apparently he put up with a lot no. Filming this show, yeah. No. Like a lot of, yeah, just terrible things said to him, homophobia. No. Yeah, like I, I respect David Yost a lot for putting up with what he had to put up with to make this show what it was. And like I think he did it out of, I don't know, like commi- he needed a job. Commitment and like, yeah, like just he, he needed to do what he needed to do. And yeah. yeah, it sucks he had to put up with that. So yeah, like it sounds like this show was a nightmare yeah. to be a part of. No, yeah, definitely. Just, just listening to it from this end. Yep. But despite all the craziness, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers popularity spawned a vast media empire with action figures, video games, comic books, and more releasing during the show's initial season and beyond. Boo. <laughs> Biff Tannen's profiting off of this trash behavior. And biggest of all, 1995 saw the release of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie. A big-budget theatrical release starring the season two cast which roughly bridged the gap between season two and season three. Okay. When I talk about more um, bad working conditions, Haim Saban and Shuki Levy insisted that the cast not stop filming the show while they filmed the movie. So... I would... uh... There were... Basically, the movie was filmed in, I believe it was Australia, Mm. right? The Power Rangers crew from the show flew to Australia. Those poor kids had to... Film the movie at night and the show during the day. I hate that. There are like a handful of episodes that um, either are either take place or set in Australia where the kids are just it's yeah, it's because the cast was in Australia having to film the movie. I sweatshop conditions. <laughs> I just mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so season three of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and the follow up miniseries Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers. Used footage, costumes, and mecha from Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger, which was ninja themed. I never would have guessed. So, like, this was another cool thing that I remember as a kid, like the ninja ranger, like the ninja costumes. Mm-hmm. Like in the movie, they like they're they're given ninja outfits and they're given like new spirit animals, like right. a, a frog and I think I vaguely remember this. Yeah, gorilla. 
basically like the events of the movie are kind of retranslated and redone in the show for season three, mm-hmm. right? Like the show reestablishes the ninja stuff. Like they have to go on another vision quest and become ninjas uh, different in a different way than they do in the movie. Weird. But it still ends up where in season three, they are now ninja rangers. Right. With new ninja mechs. Right. I guess if yeah. it works, it works. Yep, yep. Barely. And then, oh gosh, Ugh. season three is a mess. Like, are we going to go through every season? No. Okay. No, I, 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 I just want to focus on Mighty Morphin. Okay. Like, just the original season. So it was like three seasons. Yeah. So. Like okay. at the end of season three, like there, Amy Jo Johnson is gone. Mm-hmm. They brought in a new character named Cat, and she's the new Pink Ranger. So like, I think Tommy's like the only one left. No, he Billy. Might- Billy. Bill. Billy. Yeah. Yeah, Tommy Tommy's out too. Yeah. Because he was the White Ranger for a while in season 2 mm-hmm. and then he leaves and yeah. It, it's it, anyway, at the end of season 3 of Power Rangers, all of like the villain makes the world go back in time and all of the main cast are turned into kids. Like children? Children. Mm. And they're turned into children and they have to go on these like vision quests to become human or to become to like right the wrongs. Okay. And so, while all of that is happening, alien rangers from another galaxy visit Earth, and that's where all the action takes place with these alien rangers. Oh, yeah? It's, it's, it's a mess, and that's what that, that uh, spinoff is, the, the miniseries, Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers. It's <laughs> like kids on Vision Quest to become adults to, again. To get their adulthood back, and, their teenage And alien back. rangers fighting the villains. It's it's awful. Okay. Just awful. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Yeah. So from there... Would not recommend. Once that story is all wrapped up nice and neat, uh, the Power Rangers franchise has more closely followed the Sentai formula of introducing a new theme and a new cast with every new series. Because That's the way to go. I feel like at this point they thought it was too complicated to just continue yeah. this ongoing saga. It's yeah. like, just do what Sentai does. Yeah. Just boot the new cast and bring the new ones in. Put the old, boot the old cast, bring the new ones in. Gross. Um, all right. I know this is going long, but we need to do what I call the Power Rangers pop quiz. We're no! Quickly. I'm going to tell you the name of every Power Rangers season after Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers. All you need to do is try to guess what the theme is, and I will tell you what it is. You get one guess for each one. Fine. Power Rangers Zeo. Robots. Ancient Civilization and Robots. Yay. Um, I have a little bit of facts if it relates to Mighty Morphin with each one. So David Yost, the last original Ranger, left the show during the season. Austin St. John returned as Jason to play the Gold Ranger. Oh. Uh, Power Rangers Turbo. Motorcycles. Cars. Uh, There was a 1997 theatrical film called Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, which featured the return of Austin St. John as Jason and Amy Jo Johnson as Kimberly. Hmm. That movie's awful. (sighs) Just awful. It had cool rubber suits and and fighting, but it's it's just it's so boring. <laughs> so boring. Power Rangers in space. Aliens. Space. Okay. Power Rangers Lost Galaxy. Alien. More space. Okay. Uh, Walter Emanuel Jones returned to voice a monster in one episode. Huh. That was Zach. Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue. More space. Emergency services. So oh, police wow. firemen. Okay. <laughs> Ambulance. Power Rangers Time Force. TARDIS. Time travel. I mean, yes, that's what I said. <laughs> Power Rangers Wild Force. 
Smokey the Bear. Jungle Animals. Same thing. Uh, in this season, a special team-up episode called Forever Red saw the return of nine previous Red Rangers, including Jason Lee Scott and Tommy Oliver. Walter Emanuel Jones also voiced a monster in this episode. Power Rangers Ninja, Ninja Storm. Storms. Ninjas. <laughs> Power Rangers Dino Thunder. Thunder. Dinosaurs. This season was a, was highly referential to the original Mighty Morphin show with Jason David Frank reprising his role as Tommy Oliver as both a mentor and a ranger. Oh. This he was grew the up. this He's was the team. this was the one to like rope the the original the rope the kids who watched the original series back in. Mm. You're, you're 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 adults now, right? What year did that one come out? I think like the late 2000s. Oh wow. It's like you had kids now, right? Watch this show with your kids. <laughs> I have kids now? The first one came out in 93. What do you mean I have kids now in 2005? It's been 15 years. You were 10 and now you're 25. You got a kid. I don't know. Okay. Power Rangers SPD. Didn't we already do emergency vehicles? We did. Is this still emergency vehicles? Space police. (sighs) More space. There is a dog captain named Doggy Kruger. (laughs) Oh, gee. It's a man in a dog hat. (laughs) Power Rangers Mystic Force. The Avatar. Wizards. Power Rangers Operation Overdrive. Cars. Archaeology. What? They, like, go to ancient sites and, like, there's robots based on, like, Arthur legend and stuff. Like, ancient Greek. Okay. Power Rangers Jungle Fury. Bagheera. Jungle Animals. Uh, Was I wrong? Power Rangers RPM. More cars? Cars in the post-apocalypse. Is it Mad Max, the Power Ranger show? Yes. Jeez. (laughs) Power Rangers Samurai and Power Rangers Super Samurai. Saiyans. Samurai. <laughs> Power Rangers Megaforce. Dinosaurs again. Trading cards and fan service. So this season... They morphed into trading cards? This season and the Sentai that it's based on featured the Rangers could pull trading cards out and like load them into their morphers and transform into previous versions of Power Rangers. So what you're saying is it's season three of Digimon. Season four of Digimon. I don't know. But basically it was like, it's so that they could do a bunch of fan service to old Sentai shows. And right. old Power Rangers stuff. And reuse more stuff. Yeah. It's also kind of a soft reboot of the series because the first episode and the first season is basically a redo of the original. Ah. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. There's like a day of the dumpster reference in the first episode. Mm, I don't want to watch it. Power Rangers Super Mega Force. Super Saiyans. Pirates. Jason David Frank returned as Tommy Oliver for a massive crossover finale called Legendary Battle. I hate this pop quiz. Power Rangers Dino Charged and Power Rangers Dino Charge Supercharge. Power Are you Rangers, making these up? Power Rangers Dino Supercharge. TNT. Dinosaurs. Power Rangers Ninja Steel and Power Rangers Ninja Super, Super Ninja Steel. Swords. Ninjas. Jason David Frank once again returned as Tommy Oliver for the 25th anniversary episode, Dimensions in Danger. Goodness. Power Rangers Beast Morphers. Beasts. Spy movies and cyber technology. What? (laughs) Austin St. John returned as Jason uh, in a special episode called Grid Connection. And last but not least, Power Rangers Dino Fury. Sailor Moons. Dinosaurs again. (laughs) Those are all of the Power Rangers things. How did I do? How many did I get right? Who cares? <laughs> you made me take a test and I don't even get graded on it. Participation. 
Okay, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers paved the way for a bevy of copycat shows, some produced by Saban, such as Big Bad Beetleborgs, VR Troopers, Masked Rider, and Mystic Knights of Tirnanoog, and others completely unrelated, such as Tattooed Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills. What? Those all existed in the 90s. I don't want to see any of them. In 2010, the first 32 episodes of the first season of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers were rebroadcast on ABC Kids with an updated opening sequence and visual effects. Cool. And in 2017, a gritty adaptation of the original Power Rangers series was released, simply titled Power Rangers. It received mixed reviews and it was a box office bomb. (laughs) It it was not good. It is like tonal whiplash. I love tonal whiplash. It's like it doesn't know if it wants to be like super dramatic and serious or cheesy and stupid. Mm. And it's both. They don't mesh well at all. Jason David Frank and Amy Jo Johnson did make cameo appearances though. Nice. Also in 2017, an interactive live stream tabletop role-playing game web series called Power Rangers Hyperforce debuted on Hyper RPG's Twitch live streaming channel. Was it fun? Apparently, like, old cast members from the show will just show up and play characters in the RPG. Fun! Yeah, so it's just, like, a bunch of, like... Nerds? Interactive people, you know, <laughs> cool, entertaining people playing an RPG together, and they bring in cast members to play either their characters or, like, new characters. Did you say cool because I said nerds? Yes. <laughs> uh, Jason David Frank has guest starred as both Tommy and the villain, Lord Dragon. Lord Dragon. Is that a ninja? Uh, speaking of Lord Draken, uh, the character was introduced in Boom Comics' popular Power Rangers series, and Jason David Frank has played the character heavily in promotional materials. Um, he's like an evil Tommy Oliver from like an, another dimension. Oh, I only I just think of Community <laughs> Bad Abed or something. He, he is like an evil Abed. Yeah. <laughs> in 2019, a fighting video game titled Power Rangers: Battle for the Grid was released. Austin St. John voiced Jason, and Jason David Frank voiced Tommy, and Lord Draken. (laughs) And also in 2019, it was reported that Hasbro was developing a second reboot film. Uh, The plot was- Hasbro? Mm-hmm. Is that a a toy company? toy company, company, yeah. Oh. They make movies now, apparently. Uh, The plot will reportedly involve time travel and will be set in the 90s. It's now time for 90s nostalgia? Yes. We've made it to that time now? Yes. Yay. I know that was a lot, but that was Power Rangers. Yay, we're done! <laughs> I'm so sleepy! Power Rangers! Mighty Morphin! Power Rangers! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we got runners up? Oh, but who won? Oof. I think you, you won. What do you mean, oof? <laughs> yeah, you won. <laughs> I was like, why did it take you so long to respond? Obviously, it's I because won. because I have Power Rangers on the brain. I feel like that's what happens. Like, you, you talk about Power Rangers too much and it melts your brain. And you just, like, want to consume more Power Rangers. Incorrect. But I will take this win because I deserve it for putting up with that. (laughs) That's fair. It's yours. Boy Meets World beats Power Rangers. Boy Meets World beats Power Rangers. Take it in the face, you big old grape ranger. (laughs) I wonder if there was ever a purple ranger. Grape ranger. (laughs) Yes, during the fruit salad season. (laughs) (laughs) They were all Heinz characters. Power Rangers Fruit of the Loom. Oh, gosh. Okay, so runners up. What are we, 1993? All right, so for you, if we were not watching Power Rangers, we could have been watching Animaniacs. Okay, okay. Or Rocco's Modern Life. Okay, all right. 
I'm I'm like not sold on either of those shows. They're fine. Or Bill Nye. It's fine. <laughs> How do you know you haven't rewatched it in forever? Bill, Bill Nye is a saint among men. I will say that. Uh, he, he he fights the good fight every day on Twitter. Yes. Oh, I don't know. I'm not on Twitter. Uh, for me, if we weren't watching Boy Meets World, we would have been watching Bonkers, which you hate. I hate Bonkers. It sucks. <laughs> the Adventures of Pete and Pete, which you only have seen one episode of. Yeah, it's it's something. Or Living Single, which is a great show that you've never even heard of. Never even heard of it. <laughs> Do they fight robots? No, it's another one of those wonderful black shows, sitcoms that you've never heard of. There are a lot of those. <laughs> Uh, it would have been interesting to to have you watch that, but we watched Boy Meets World instead, and it won. It was good. Yeah, it was good. And it would be even more good when you continue to watch it all. And those are our runners-up. And that was our 1993 TV shows, and that will be it for our 1993s. It's time for plugs. It's time for hair plugs. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at MediaMateShow. And you can follow us on Instagram, at Media Mate Show. We do polls and share pictures and videos. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm sure I'm going to be sharing a lot of uh, Power Rangers content on the Twitters this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you fo- if you like what I have to say, you can follow me on Twitter, at Rod the Master. I also host a wrestling show. Uh, maybe one day we'll talk about Kaiju Big Battle. Oh, gosh. Uh, that show is called Keep Kayfabe. That's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. We follow the careers and characters of our favorite wrestlers. Uh, we have, we are currently planning, I assume we will be releasing soon an episode on Cobra from WCW. Cobra guy. <laughs> and I read for a website called ZeldaDungeon.net. We cover the video game series, The Legend of Zelda. If you like that, check us out. If you want to follow me personally, I have a YouTube. Yes. I have a YouTube called Taming Tales on YouTube where I do whatever I want, but mostly I tell stories. So if you would like to hear my voice say words correctly because I'm reading them off of the page and then editing myself saying them properly and hear fun stories, go there. I've just finished up, probably last month, um, a 13-part story video called our collection called The Collectors, which is a lot of fun. Well, it's something. <laughs> it's dramatic. It's dramatic. I'm in the middle of putting it together and I am tired. There's probably a vlog up there about how upset I am that I did this to myself. So you can go and look at that if you would like, kids. That is the end of our show. So we are going to close out the show today with another version of the Go Go Power Rangers theme song. It is an arrangement of Go Go Power Rangers recorded for the film soundtrack. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie. Uh, The song was performed by the Power Rangers Orchestra. A collaboration that featured Mr. Big frontman Eric Martin, guitarist Tim Pierce, former Pablo Cruz bass player John Pierce, singer-pianist Kim Bullard, and uh, former Guns N' Roses drummer Matt Sorum, and, reportedly, guitarist Buckethead. So, we'll go out with that, and we'll see you next time in 1994 with our films of 1994. Get a cool rubber suit, kids. Night. Night.